0: The Chad Reed podcast is about to play through your car stereo, through your AirPods, through your gaming headset, wherever you listen to this, it's about to happen, and I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, I just need to give a quick shout out to a couple of people who made this podcast happen. Uh, me and Chad go into it, but we're, we weren't exactly ever friends um, in the US, something I was maybe a little bit salty about, we talk about it. Um, but yeah, it took some of our mutual friends to come together and make this happen. So I uh, definitely can't take all the credit. I got to say a massive thank you to my boy, Sam Moore. Massive thank you to Jeremy Hammam a lot. And also a thank you to the guys at Boost. Um, yeah, this, this one is, this is an epic podcast. This is one that I really wanted to to make happen and I let a lot of these just happen naturally and it's kind of right place right time but I sort of forced the issue on this one because I feel like I had stuff to ask um, that I, I guess I just wanted to know for myself um, for the time that I've sort of spent in the US and and been around um, yeah definitely some stuff that I, I never really got to figure out and I've always been curious um, so it's a little bit selfish in that regard uh, but I also felt like if chad got the opportunity to just speak for a few hours about whatever he wanted um some really interesting cool stuff could come out of that um he's a guy that's very polarizing it's a love or a hate type of scenario and i think that um Especially in Australia, like there is just, you know, sometimes that tall poppy syndrome that happens uh, and you combine that with the attitude that you need to have to beat the best dudes in the world. Uh, Sometimes it can get taken the wrong way uh, and I really feel like that's sort of the case for anyone that isn't a Chad Reed fan. Um, So I, I was under the assumption that if Chad Reed got a chance to really talk um in a in the right place some really cool stuff would come out of it and i think that's what happened um i definitely won't claim to be um a chad reed fanboy and we've been friends and we go way back that's really not the case but i will say that after talking to chad uh, in this podcast and then uh our trip to New Zealand uh, our the supercross trip to New Zealand um where we spent even more time together uh, I can really say that this this guy is a great dude and I would call Chad Reed my friend and if he ever needed anything from me um from this day forward I got that dude's back um and I think that's really cool that that two people sitting in a room can kind of uh, bring bring that kind of thing to effect Uh, So I won't say too much more. I really enjoyed it. Thanks very much, Chad, for the time. Uh, I need to give a shout out to our sponsors. Um, If you've been listening for a while, we've been doing this for a year now, which is crazy. uh, You will know that I am a mad frother of a Boost Mobile. Um, If you're listening to this in Australia, you can go to boost.com.au. And if you listen to this in the US, they're in the US as well. Um, But, obviously I do my stuff here in Oz. So I am now running the new $70 prepaid plan, which gives you 75 gig of data. Um, This is what we streamed the Australian Supercross podcast on and is more data than you will know what to do with. So it's insanely good value. Uh, That's what I'm running right now. And if you live in Australia, that is what you should be running as well. Uh, Also, a massive shout out to the guys at Nobby Underwear. Uh, Join the Nobby Nation at nobbyunderwear.com.au. $20 a month will get you a fresh set of duds every single month, and it will be a design that you haven't seen. It's a nice little present every single month. I definitely look forward to it. Uh, And this month, December, is a freaking banger. It's uh, by far my favorite design yet and a perfect time to sign up. Uh, or sign up your mate for Christmas or your mum or your dad they do all sorts of stuff that will rip your head off Uh, also I need to give a shout out to the guys at mcas.com.au they're one of Australia's biggest online motorcycle retailers. And right now they're having a ridiculous Christmas sale. Uh, you can save up to 69% across everything store wide. And then if you type in gypsy gang, all caps, you'll get a further 5% off all of those purchases, including the stuff that's already marked down. Uh, one of the banger deals going right now is 50% off rental twin walls. And then they're doing 20% off the bell Moto nine Mips torch helmet. Uh, also a big thanks to our homies at rival inc uh some of the coolest graphics i think in the industry and we are about to launch a collab with those guys uh, so very soon you'll be able to order your own gypsy tails graphics kit uh it is new bike season and if you have just got yourself a fresh 2019 uh, or you're looking for a new graphics kit, maybe you got some new Sponos, new race number, maybe you're sporting a number one plate because you cleaned up this year, uh, you can head to rivalincdesignco.com uh, go through you can order uh, completely custom graphics kits uh, seat covers plastics or uh, you can choose from uh, they're all already done designs uh, and if you type in gypsy tails in all caps uh, you are going to get off your order. Uh, So massive thank you to the boys at Rival Inc Design Co. Uh, They jumped on board with us at the Supercross uh, for our live podcast and they're continuing their support. Um, So support the peeps that support us. Also, just a quick thank you. There's going to be a lot of people listening to this for the first time. Uh, We've been running this podcast for a year now and there is a lot of people who have been listening to this podcast since the start. I just have to say a massive thank you uh, to you guys as we're sort of wrapping up the first year of the podcast. It's been crazy. I never, ever, ever thought this thing would be as cool as it is and it's got nothing. Well, not nothing. It's got a lot to do with the people that's come on the podcast, but it's got so much to do with the people that listen to this podcast. And I didn't think that was gonna be the thing that like really inspired me to keep going. Um, it wasn't. This wasn't a plan of like, oh, I'm gonna start this and it's gonna do well and you know, before I blink, we'll be doing it a year. I I didn't even think this thing would go past a few episodes. Uh, and then once people started messaging through the Instagram and and I started seeing people at events and seeing how much people enjoyed this content. That's the thing that has really inspired me. Uh, I feel like we're building a community of really great people. Uh, So I just want to use this episode and this intro to just say thank you to all of those people um, for your continued support. Uh, This episode will be live on YouTube as well. So you can search Chad Reed Podcast Gypsy Tales on YouTube. uh, And you can also go and follow us on the Instagram at Gypsy Tales Podcast. And that's it. I'm going to stop. everybody chad reed it's sick thank you very much chad and thank you to everybody for listening righto we are we're doing it yep. the chad reed podcast this has been one that i've been like i was just saying before you're like the first guest i've like actually pestered to be like dude you got to do this you got to do this you got to do this
1: yeah i think the first time we communicated was uh through jeremy at red bull yeah uh, right before um Oh, I think I just had literally landed in uh in Australia for, for Bathurst. Bathurst yeah. Um and it and it's it's tough, you know, cuz it's like Oh,
0: that weekend for you would be crazy. You
1: know like you get you know like you get a million emails and certain emails you you kind of take a little more serious than others and Jeremy's been a, a huge uh you know advocate in helping me out, you know, in 2018. So you know, you kind of go through, you read it, and it's kind of like, you know, you almost feel bad because it's yeah. like I literally, you know, we touch base, and I was like, I, you know, he hit the ground running, and I was doing photo shoot and video shoot and, and then, and you know, all this stuff out there. So, um, I mean, I think we did pretty well. We are about three, four weeks later, and here we yeah. are doing it where we're knuckling it down, and, you know, you're here in Newcastle, so it's it's uh, it's awesome. I think it worked out well.
0: It's one of these one of these ones for me where, like, and we sort of just briefly spoke about it, but like I moved to the US in 2012 and I've worked with everyone. I've met everyone like pretty much Villa is like the only dude I haven't like really worked with properly on the film side and you. <laughs> and there's like these stages, right? There's like, I'm a kid in Australia that's racing motocross, full blown fucking Chad Reed superfan. So I went through that stage and then you do the motocross, like the industry thing, And then there's that stage. And then with guys like Ricky and even James, I got to be like pretty close with through working. Me and Ricky went to like Costa Rica and hung out a bunch. And then you like, you get into like the inside of it. And then you're like, okay, cool. So there's like the three stages. But with you, I always just got stuck in like (laughs) the industry stage, seeing you at arm's distance and like, dude, know you through like Nate and Jared and obviously Jeremy. So it's like, but I never got,
1: you know, that, in that other yeah, side yeah, yeah. to where and obviously I'm very aware of who, who you are and, and what you do and obviously this is new for you but um, yeah not really you know it's not like you put that wall up and, no, you, and it's and, just and, like and how you, it works it's just, hey? it's just how it works you know yeah. And I think uh, and I think you probably appreciate more than anything that you know 17 races in 18 weeks yep. um, a weekend off and then rolling into 12 outdoors um, you know living that life for the past what 17 years dude I Um, got over it and I never
0: rode a bike (laughs) like for real I used to say that to people like I always say like the like a funny story of that is like when I was a kid I just wanted to go to Red Bud so bad that was Mm -hmm. like the sickest shit ever and the first time I got to Red Bud, it's what, eight races into the series or whatever. Yeah, you're already and over it. I fucking watched it in the TV, <laughs> in the uh, JDR truck. I was yeah. like, dude, it's too hot. Mm-hmm. I'm over it. Like, I did my filming, yeah. and then I was like, I'm out. And, and, I if did
1: and if you really lived it and you did Red Bud Ride, you know, you probably had a pounding headache yeah. from the night before. <laughs> yeah. Credit uh, to Wes Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, you know, so. It gets hard, man. It does. It, it is hard. And. You know, and I think that we've been lucky enough to cross paths on, on, on some fun experiences and fun weekends, but I think that they're all weekends that you kind of let your hair down and you, you're not really, you know, the least thing that you want to do is actually be in any form of you yeah. know doing a, uh, an interview or, yep. you know, something like that. So it's kind of like you, you turn everything off and you go and have fun at MotoGP. It's like that one weekend a year, you know, in April that you get to have fun. And so, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean it's just you you live and breathe it, and yeah. and, and for good or bad, um, and I and I guess when I look at RV, you know, knowing RV and being teammates with RV and and things like that, it, we're so different, but yet very similar in yeah. some ways. In the fact that you know, it's like you put a helmet on and, and it's serious and it's race day and it's game on, and um, but take your helmet off and and you get out of that environment yeah. not so much. Just take the helmet off, because no matter what, like you're always on the clock. You know, I think that that's the hardest thing is take the helmet off, put another hat on. You, well, there's you know, always and, and
0: expectation. There is there's like always. a lot of expectation <laughs> from you guys, and even like to do this, it's like there's like in a certain way, like um, and I, I know, I know what it's like, but there's a, there's even expectation from me. I'm like, dude, this would be really good. Like I sent you that email yesterday. I'm like, it's gonna be fine, blah, blah blah blah. Like, and there's an expectation on my end even it's like oh this would be great and it's like well everybody thinks uh, come do this photo shoot or let's do this edit it's going to be great but it's like it's sort of one-sided and a lot of a lot of these relationships that you get in on like the working end whether it's like a sponsor or a, uh getting a mate passes it's it's super one-sided and there's there's sometimes like kind of unfair expectations and i think maybe like I've been able to see the both sides of, of yeah, that, you, where it's like you've you kind really, of, uh, yeah.
1: you've been on the inside enough to know, yeah, um, the scenarios. Really, you know, like there's, I always think that it's it's difficult to judge somebody, you know, by meeting them in a certain environment, a brief moment, you know, yeah. and um, I always like I take a uh, Valentino as as a perfect example for me, you know, somebody who away from the races, you know, during the week. Whatever, like I can literally we can call each other, we yeah, can text yeah, each other, yeah. all these things, and then you you meet him on the weekends. That's a different dude, you know the lights are on in no one's home, you know, um, he engages at a at a level that that I can understand because I do it myself mm. um but but he's there's this you know like the the brain's ticking, you know mm. like he's he he's there, but he's he's elsewhere, you know. Um, and I think that that, like, as I get older and as I maybe become a little bit more aware of what I'm even doing, you know, cause you don't realize you're doing it, but when you start to be around these people that are, you know, equally going through the same things that you are, um, it's really interesting to me, you know, and it's like, uh, I noticed it a lot this year at MotoGP, you know, like I kind of, just different things, you know, like yeah. I could see the. The gears ticking the, the over. The gears ticking over, and yeah. and you know, and and you see, the time that he spent with me, the time that he spent with my kids and my wife, and and it was like it was a it was a you know he wanted to do it and he was there, but there's a part there of it there, 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 there was There yeah. was there was a job to it. There was a a, yep. a a routine. Yeah, because you know, though he engaged with us a lot, um, there was still five, six other people or obligations that he had, you know, people like basically, you know, his Yamaha people or his manager or somebody, okay, this one, this one, this one. Yeah. So then it really made me, you know, because I was on holiday mode, I guess, maybe more than anything. I, I really got to see that. Yeah. Like the reality of what's actually the reality of on, how yeah. it's really happening. Yeah. Um, And, and then and you could probably relate to doing that yourself at times, right? Totally. And it, yeah. And that's what made me realize like, that's what I do. You know, like, like it, it, it clicked right then and there. And I, and I was aware more of what I do and, and it's not something you choose to do. I just think that that's, it's something that it's probably why we can do it. You know, like if you look at, you know, Casey Stoner, um, hates it. Who refuses to do this podcast. Re- refuses. <laughs> you, yeah. I mean, yeah, like he's you, just not into it. I don't know the, the background, but um, you probably No, tried he's to like a him. super
0: nice dude and he like rides mountain bike but to my has brother and, and he's just no like, no nah. desire to do he's this. He's like, yeah, no. Nah, you know, nah. and,
1: and I just think that there's certain people and certain yep. ways of thinking, certain, I didn't even know what it is, personality maybe. Um, but he's just, yeah, like that he's done there that yeah. that book's been ticked and that box is you know he's moved on from it and
0: Well there's like there's weird things that happen too with like even um like even this podcast right so like i started it thought literally nothing of it like i come home i was like all right well i'm going to be in, in australia now full time and i don't have film work i've been in america for like what 8 years so i'm like yeah everyone else like will have their dudes doing it so i'm just going to have to be cool with doing nothing for a, a little bit until some balls start rolling and then it's like i do this and then now it's this thing and i'm like fuck i didn't expect any of this like and some of it i don't want at all (laughs) but you're like well it's too late because the stuff that you do like which is this this two people sitting down talking comes now with other stuff and i feel like racing is the same and like if you talk to casey stoner like that's just a dude from regional australia much like yourself and then it's like You get to this point where you're like this international superstar where you're... It it changes. The thing that it was at the start, it's like this unintended kind of uh, side things that come with the thing that you originally wanted to do. It's like all these fringe expectations and shit. And it's like, for some people, they're just like, nah, fuck, I'm out. Too much.
1: Yeah, and I think it's how you... How you deal with it, mm. I guess you know, and and I don't think that there's a right way or a wrong way because I, be, in, in my opinion, whatever's whatever's true to you is what's true to you, and if you feel one way about it, and clearly, Casey has a way, um, and 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 I'm thirty six years old and still doing it, and, and I and I in some ways there's parts of it where you're, you know, like like in this scenario, it's like. I'm in my hometown. I probably my first time back to my hometown since 2016 with my family. So it's like when you look at the big picture, do I want to be doing an interview yeah in a studio for a couple of hours, you know, and my family's off and and this is basically a day gone. Yeah. Um you could look at it and go, "No, I don't want to do that." But then it's like life's, you know, life's quick. You got to get out there yeah. and, and and you got to embrace these moments, I think, you know, yeah. and, and that's maybe What's different from Casey and I? Um, you know, uh, there's so many ups and downs and, and good and bad and ugly within the sport or within whatever y- your chosen thing is. Um, but for me as I get older, like I'm learning to be more appreciative of it and, yeah. and, I, and I, I probably have a clearer reality on you know how and why I dealt with things when I was younger, opposed to being able to deal you know deal with them maybe a little differently now. Um. So yeah, like I don't know that you. The, there's a sense of the the clock's ticking a little bit. Yeah, and and you just I don't know. You you feel like you take it on a little more. You you en- you, you you learn to enjoy it. Um, because yeah, because I think once it's gone, it's gone. I don't know that, that. Yeah, I don't know that you. You know, I'm sure that there's a a wave you ride for a little bit, but you know at a certain point it it's you're you know once you're at the top of your game and you're doing your thing and then you you know you retire or you quit or or whatever you move on to next is you know it's it's over at that point
0: i think man like and again the fact that i've stated that i haven't spent a lot of time with you in this context at all but like from the outside looking in i feel like and i think other people i've spoken to as well have said that there's like a a different um like a different mentality with you across the board these days to maybe that 2006 to 2010 sort of um time frame i guess being like a a random time frame where it was like you're at the top and it it it's like it has to do with age right and more experience in dealing with situations that come up because a lot of times it's the same situation man like you're racing the same people You're dealing with the same contracts you're dealing with the same team managers same you know people that you're racing against but your reaction to them changes as you get older yeah and and people have commented and uh, like especially like even hammer like when he was sort of trying to help you get a bunch of stuff sorted he's like dude like i had an opinion of chad that's completely different to but based on time and and knowing and i think that there was always an element with you that I think it was, like, crazy calculated. And I, I, I wondered if, like, you kept people on, like, a or you kept a tight circle, and then especially when social media came around, it was, like, you just, like, drip-feed what you want. And it seemed like you always had, like, a little bit of beef with someone, but it wasn't enough beef to completely blow up, but it, like, kept us captivated. And there was these rivalries, and there was these things that you'd say. And it, I always wondered, like, is this just, like... A reckless dude that like doesn't give a fuck and just like is doing whatever, shooting from the hip, or is this like a calculated guy that knows how to play all of us and drip feed all these little things? And that's why we have Chad Reed having the longest autograph line in an, like in a country that he's not even from. So I'm like, what, what, what exactly was the was the plan here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I can say that there was a plan ever. Um, But I think that, you know, very early on you you figure out quickly, like if I'm to rewind, you know, all the way back from going from, you know, from Oz to Europe, you know, what I dealt with in Europe, everybody was happy for you, you know, like uh, the culture was very different, you know, everybody was friendly, everybody embraced and, and applauded you for, for the a job well done. Um, when I went from there to the U.S. and people wanted to... It's like bring you down almost? Pick apart, I yeah. would say. Pick apart words. You know, like, say I said, you know, I mean, a very common one back then was me making comments on, on that I didn't like the 250F or didn't like the lights class as we know it today. Yeah, yeah. Immediately everyone was like, basically like he thinks he's hot shit, he thinks he's too cool, he's cocky, he wants to go race Ricky Carmichael, blah, blah, blah. Nobody took into consideration that I had never raced the lights class as a professional. Um, I had spent 98, 99, 2000, 2001, so four years Uh, racing 252 strokes. I was a two-time supercross champion in Australia. Um, My first year abroad in Europe, I was second in the world championship. I I mean, at that point, I I honestly believe that I have the credentials enough to just go straight in. in. Um, And so, like, each each thing that I would, you know, comment honestly, you know, honesty is... Can be your 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 best friend and your worst enemy, yeah. uh, especially in the U.S. Um, and it was the first time in my life in my career that that I was finding that people were taking things massively out of content, and 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 they didn't necessarily always take the first word or the last word or somewhere in the middle. They would just that they'd want very convenient. They would be very conveniently. Yeah pick out words and i see and it's the world we live in now like that's it's even worse now like it's, than what it would have been oh now. oh my gosh it's unbelievably bad i mean <laughs> probably the wor- worst way to put it but like i see things written about trump and the the things that they take and like if you actually watch the interview and then you watch yeah. what becomes the headline yep. you're like how did we pull that headline how did we get here? how did we get there yeah. and so Though Trump's a terrible uh, comparison, <laughs> it, it it's a way that, like, for me as a what nineteen year old kid, you know, that was on this just unbelievably steep learning curve. Um, it was tough, you know. So you kind of go into your shell and you put your guard up right away. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I think that basically th- those early days and and how and and how I got treated, how I got. Um, you know, seeing and my words being p- picked apart, um, made me aware of. It didn't, you know, like my goal never changed. Like the goal was always, you know, okay. They don't like the things that I say, but that's me, and that's that's truly yeah. me. You know, like if you ask me a question, nine times out of ten, I feel like I I answer it honestly and I give you an answer where other people maybe give it in a different content and. Like kind of dance that's around not, it and be politically maybe correct. That's, maybe that's not, you know, maybe it's not right or wrong, but it's just not, for me, that's not, that's not true to me. You know, like that's, you ask me something, I tell you what, how, yeah. what the answer is, you know. Um, people love that, people hate that. And I think that over years, I went through a stage where they hated it, but now it seems more like people embrace who I am, yeah. what I bring to the table, um, you know. And I think that people see more the positive side of it, um, I've obviously learned to shine light more on the positive side of it. Um, but, yeah, like all along it was just, you know, the, giving people just enough that they loved it or hated it. Um, it really wasn't a game. It wasn't something that I sat down with somebody and planned, but more just that feeling of I'm just going to give you enough, yeah. you know. Like, you kind of hold everybody at arm's length. Yeah, and that's um, that's like,
0: honestly the impression that I got. Yeah. And, like, man, like I'll admit straight up that I was, like... I looked for reasons to not like Chad yeah. Reed when I was <laughs> a, in America because... And there was a part of it, too. Like, I, honestly, I was thinking about it last night. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to be fucking super honest in this podcast. And, again, like, I think people enjoy that. And I think... Like, I was thinking about it. And I was like, man, like, dude never really did anything to me. He never... There was no there was never any real beef there or like there was no reason. I was like barely, you know, not, not even on your radar. Yeah. But I actively looked for a reason not to like you. And I think that there was a part of me that was like excited to be this Australian in America. And yeah, I wasn't racing, but I felt like I was killing it in my own right. Mm-hmm. And you were like the godfather of that. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, Oh, I'd fucking, I just, I wanted to share that feeling of like sticking it to the Americans and you know what I mean? Like that yep. Aussie kind of underdog spirit and it like, it just, I didn't, I didn't get that. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh man, like <laughs> fuck Chad Reed. You know what I mean? And it was like, and I'd get it from people that I just didn't even want it from. And, I'm and like, I think
1: that's a very Aussie way. It's a, yeah, a- it's and, and I'm a. not, like, I'm not true. exempt for that either. You know, like I, I probably more times not revert to that way of thinking. Cause it, becomes so natural because you're just... It's easy to put inst- it on someone else. <laughs> you're instilled with it yeah. from a kid because I think that, you know... Like, one thing I really struggle with is is that tall poppy syndrome here in Aussie. You know, Dude, like, it's, yeah. it's... You know, like, you... They love you on the way up. And then you get to that point and then you're easily... They hate you for all the same things that they loved you for on the way up. Yeah, um, And so... So when you start getting some heat from your country, your people, yeah, you become—I don't know—that you you just you, you become it's like a weird feeling. Be, yeah, you yeah. become a little bit more. Yeah, like you put yourself in a box, and 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 I feel like the the arm's length isn't one way. U.S. people, American, you know, Australian yeah. people—it just becomes something that you're just. You just want to insulate yourself. You want yeah. You totally want to insulate yourself from it, you know. And and I was always fortunate that I always kept a small crew, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Ellie's been there from the beginning, um, you know, right from the early early days. Um, truthfully, one of the biggest things that we had against us was was my mum and dad, so. When you have family members going against you, I just think that you start off immediately the Aussie way of thinking of yeah. "fuck everybody." I'm gonna prove the world that that we we can do this. Yeah. So I think that I think starting off on that foot, the Aussie way of thinking, got me to where I am today. Mm. Um, but it comes with a bit of baggage. Personally but it come that with you have to it. Start it come with. It, it definitely come with baggage, and it come with a way of thinking of, you know, not letting anybody in because it was you, and it, it was me and Ellie versus the world. Yeah. Um, and so... Which,
0: fuck, that's productive.
1: You know? Like, when you really have that mindset. <laughs> like, it honestly is, it, dude. It, it worked. Yeah, it does, I mean, man. you know, like, it got me to this point. Um, and that's why I think that people use that
0: for fuel. And, like, I'm, I always... Like, historically, your best seasons were always when people expected you to do the worst
1: yeah and i think that when whenever there's, there's whenever, an energy <laughs> that comes with that right <laughs> totally whenever i've had my back up against the wall is typically when things have gone gone more right than wrong um and i think that we're you know if we're talking present i think coming off of 18 like it was just a horrendous year and i think that the easy thing to go you know go up against is like everybody forgets I don't know that they forget, but they they, they so easily want to say well, he's thirty six years old, yeah. you know. Um, and I can honestly say, and until I'm proven wrong, or at least and lose until I lose faith in, I don't think that I sit here today any less competitive, less strong, less yeah. aggressive, like whatever it, it is, um, than when I sat here at. at at 25 years old, when I was Supercross champion last, or when I was 28, or when I was 30 or 32, um, some of my best years have been post 30. Was it? Two, what was it, 2012? Was that the year you hurt your knee? Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that like, you chipped away at my ice heart that year. Twelve, uh, yeah, 2012. Was, I think I go on and be champion. I really dude, do. Dude, it was. I was. Cr- that I, was, that I bike, was right there. I was right there. Oh, the crash, bro! Yeah, yeah, I yeah. was like, oh. Fuck you and Villopoto were just, just sending it, and it was fun. It was one of those you could moments, tell that. one of those years. I was in great shape, but for me, it's not always about my shape. Like we all talk about, like how physical the sport is and things like that. For me, it's it's the it's the feedback you get from the bike. You know, feeling one with the bike and just feeling like whatever you, you instantly think in that split yeah, second. it's going to do what you and, think, and you get that feedback just going give me more give me more you know like that that 2012 you know Honda was just ridiculously good um i really think that that we were just starting to get on a you know on but a bit like thought oh, there was totally yeah. momentum you know like i mean geez at that point we were only what round 6 7 in yeah. cuz we we had just gone east um you know so we're maybe we're six races in or whatever it is and and RV and I had had left third place behind like yeah. you know when you're talking about third place being dungy stewart um i mean geez i think even maybe even eli was yeah maybe not eli maybe not nah, eli wasn't there yet was that
0: his last year i think it was his last year in the last yeah class. something
1: like that but um you know Wyndham was still around um you know but just yeah like we were We'd been we'd just separated ourselves and we were we were kind of gone to that next level and nobody had come there yet. Um so yeah, I had to blow out my knee at that point, you know, I think I was two points down to, you know, R V at that point. So Did you
0: win San Diego that year as well?
1: I actually we went all the way down to the last lap. I think I led it most of the way or maybe I passed him maybe I passed him two laps to go and he passed me back on the last mm. lap. Um because I
0: remember that being yeah. a crazy race, I say, but I can't remember who. Yeah, I, I want to say really like I passed
1: that. him, maybe with two to go, and then uh, and then he got me back on the last lap. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, like carrying that frustration of like so close, but embracing yeah. it, you know. And, um,
0: well, it seemed like you were like thriving on everything that year. Like it, you were thriving on the fact that you were 2-2. You were thriving on the fact that you were sticking it to everybody again. You found yourself in that position where you're like, I'm fucking buying a semi. I'm putting my own mm-hmm. crew together and then like you sort of have to make it work at that point like financially as well. And then you got the sponsor side of things. So it seemed like that really got like the best out of you. Like you weren't and you weren't jaded by the uh the logistics of it and you weren't jaded by the money out of the bank account. Yeah. No, and because at know, that
1: point of two two that was that was two two's best point. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like year one, you know, like we threw it together all quickly. Um it was all amazing. Um, but year two, you know, like I, I had just signed a two year deal with Honda, um, you know, two, two, you know, motorsports had, had moved from basically my mechanic, Lars's, you know, garage, um, into the Honda, um, yeah, ra- you know, ra- right. race facility in Torrance. And, um, you know, so we were doing everything right, you know, like it was bare minimum on a cost, you know, so as far as like. As far as how to, like Tutu Motorsports as first you know beginning to end, that was the that was the strongest that we were you yeah. know like we had good sponsors in in Belray and um, I want to say that Discount Tire came on it as a, as yeah. an associate sponsor for the first time um, and they grew from there but at that point they were just really small but Belray was awesome at that point point. Um, and then but Honda was you know like all bikes parts engines shipping race shop bonuses like everything was there for me so i was i was essentially i mean i was honda's lead guy you know like yeah. I, I was their yeah, guy um, you know i wasn't under their hrc banner but i was i was i was the guy so um yeah amazing year you know so to get hurt really stung you know like when you really felt like like Every, that's the one that got away that's that. the one that got away and and it was you know yeah like it just it hurt more because you know probably up until you know my current ankle injury that i had but that at that point in my career it was by far my worst injury yeah. that i'd ever sustained um i'd never had anything you know wrong with my knees it was just you know i'd been really lucky to have you know a couple of shoulder injuries here and there, but not not really a whole lot of you know injuries that took me out of season, yeah. season you know season long. So I miss I, I missed the rest of Supercross and then all of outdoors. So yeah, it was it was tough. And then probably what made it tougher is you know coming back from that knee injury was way harder than I anticipated. And then when I got back on the bike, you know I got back on the new bike, which was the good. and it was just i say it and i it's not a matter of me beating up on honda or anything but i go from a bike that literally felt like it was engineered and designed around me to getting on a motorcycle that essentially i'd heard nothing but positive things you know that it was better it did this better it did that better and it was just the biggest pile of shit i'd ever ridden in my life and i was just like this is what happened you know and then you're kind of scratching your head like Everybody prior to me that had rode the bike was, ah, it's good. And you'd only heard positive reviews. And I went one lap on it and pulled in. And I immediately had questions, you know. Really? Um, So I think that from that, I guess what makes me probably more proud is I stuck. Like, it wasn't wasn't like I came in, it was awesome, and then it went to shit because of my own results or me not feeling it. Like, literally, I went one lap and pulled in and I asked the guys, is this, this, is this, that, Yeah, like throwing questions all at them. And immediately I think that, you know, everybody around me on Tutu and Honda knew that that it was going to be difficult because, you know, a lot of the things that I complained about and a lot of the things that I made aware to them wasn't, you know. An easy fix. Wasn't easy fixes. Yeah.
0: And, dude, like, I mean, fuck, hopefully you'll admit this, but so many people will ride, like, I'm going to go ride this new... Ha- James did it. I'm going to go ride this new Yamaha. Oh, fuck. How good is this thing? This this is the bike. And it's like everyone's got... It's like a new chick, man. Everyone's just like, dude, she's so fucking hot. She, there's nothing wrong with this chick. Like, oh, she does everything right. And it's like three months in. And you're just like, fuck this chick right now, you know? So, yeah. and like... But people don't want to admit that. They're like... So, I guess for you to honestly say no day one this bike was yeah no,
1: and i think and i because how many people do that they go to yeah, like a new thing and they're like this is amazing and it's just right away the honeymoon stage it's full you know? honeymoon and um, they can't be objective and i was truthfully i was excited you know like i was you know like you'd seen pictures of it and you know you kind of like wow you know like there's this new bike it's got two was that
0: like fully a full redesign it on was that a bike? full
1: redesign yeah so, so there's plastics, no way you engines, can just go um, 12 engine no, i want to say engine was really actually i think engine bolted in um but chassis and chassis was the biggest thing it was all chassis um unfortunately the chassis just didn't work work quite the same uh, ergonomically it never felt the same either um as immediately sitting on it it was different um but that's, yeah, I mean, that's unf- that's the, the you know, the, the good and bad about new bikes coming, you know. And that's what's so scary about it. Everybody gets so excited about new bikes. Um, new bikes scare me, probably yeah. because I've been on the the less uh, less fortunate side, you know, like and maybe that was even just a restimulation of old, you know, older years as well. I mean, I went from 004 to 05. You know, and we got told at Yamaha that this new aluminum frame bike it was going to be underweight. We're going to have to add weight to it. It was going to be all the same. Yamaha did something unbelievably amazing where they figured out aluminum that no one else could. And, you know, and they sold it. Hard. They they sold it hard. And, yeah. and then immediately, same thing. You know, first day riding the bike, we, you know, we struggled. We struggled. Got to get to a point where, OK, now it's rideable. You know, we go back on to the O four. 4 and, and that's when you're like, oh, my gosh, like, we're not even close. Um, and I think the, the general consensus of, you know, myself, Villaman, and Ferry at that point were like, mm, we all – Not good. Not good, okay. you know. So they basically took that 04 bike. Okay, get that out of here. We'll never ride that bike again. So, um, yeah, so, you know, 04, it happened. You know, it happened again, in, you know, for in, in 13. Is um, it just
0: something that, like – you can't get over Cause like I, I was literally at, um, I was at Ricky's place one day when Dunge was like arguing over like, like half a Miller sag <laughs> and Ricky just fucking lit him up, dude. And it was like the best thing I've ever seen. And then Ricky just went off about like, just fucking ride the bike, you know, like gave him a, a serve mm-hmm. and I was like, it's hot. What is that going to do? And, but it's like, I don't know. Like, Ricky rode through, like, he, it almost seemed like he didn't care. and But, like, I don't know. Like, is there guys where it's just the style so different, like you're so fluid and smooth and Ricky's just that charger yeah. dude and, like, you sort of see it with Tomac where I feel like Tomac's just the kind of guy that's just going to turn it with the back wheel, just fucking bury the throttle and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Yeah. But is it just styles to where, like, you're the kind of guy that couldn't really overcome that sort of, that stuff? Ricky...
1: On the complete opposites of Spectrum, I think that Ricky was equally one of the most frustrating people to race because of his strength of being able to just ride whatever and just make it work. I didn't even know that you'd say ride whatever because he essentially set it up like that. Yeah. Um, when I look at Dunge, me and Dunge, and, and, and I probably know more than anything because when we were teammates at Suzuki, yeah, we, you know, like if, if let's say there's a setup or a family that, you know, like me and Ricky as far as like clamps and chassis, like when you talk about like chassis flex and, and clamp flex and, you know, swing arm, your linkages and things like that, Ricky and I were spot on. Like we, whatever he chose is what I chose, vice versa um and also Dunge was was in that same window but when you start comparing suspension Ricky you know so left field you know like me and me and Dunge you know like our like our bikes so much different than what Ricky does um and i think that Ricky in his own way was probably pretty picky about i mean when you look at the way his bike was set up i don't know that some suspension guy would have done that. Can get it that wrong. Yeah, really. When yeah. you when you think about it, like, yeah. in, when you think about how a motorcycle works and how it gets around a track, you don't go, "Okay, we're going to give you this, Ricky." So, I mean, he he took them to, them down that road. Um, Fuck, that would be some weird, dark, scary monsters in those woods. Yeah, I and I like. think that Ricky was, uh, you know, the years that Ricky had really horrendous motorcycles. I think he was really. Um, I wouldn't use the word luck because I don't think – I don't really necessarily believe in being lucky. Not a, um, not, not with the but, amount of winning he did. But the, the, the timing of events and, and mm. competition, Um, I think he was really uh in the right place at the right time Um, when he had his 02 Honda, his 03 Honda. I think, you know, had I not have made – you know, rookie, and just really clearly stupid, dumb ass rookie mistakes. too. you know, I got two six places. Um, I think that the bike and, and and tires bite him in the ass, and and he gets beat. You know, um, but he was he was always so clever and in, in, in knowing basically like the Texas hold'em, I guess, knowing when to hold and when to fold, and yeah. kind of thing. You know, and he he won enough. Um, to be able to control a rookie, you know? I think...
0: Uh, Did he get in your head that first year too, like?
1: Nah, I, not the first year. I think the first year... You were just so fucking I was just, into it. Yeah, that, like, yeah. you know, like, even when I finished sixth, you know, like, you'd come back, you'd just be mad at the world and <laughs> come back swinging for more. Um, the only thing I would probably say is you you want to beat somebody so bad... That you mm. that you you lose sight of how the war to win the battle like, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I think of the one weekend was Minneapolis 03. Um, I I was just so much better and faster and, and you know, basically passed him right away, pulled away, and and just didn't have that like pull back a little bit to get the job done. Just, you, you just know, had a point to prove. Like Yeah, I didn't even know that you'd call it a point, but just when when everything's clicking and it's all happening, sometimes that is the time to take a step back and in win by five seconds or two seconds. You don't need to win by 20. Um, but in that particular weekend, like I was so much better that I probably could have won by 10, 15 seconds. Um, but I just kept, you know asking more of the bike asking more of the tires asking more from the track and then at some point you're going to find that limit and yeah I found it twice <laughs> so um yeah that was that was a tough one
0: yeah it's I'm really glad that like it seemed like and again this is like I don't know how much of this was even real or how much of this was like just giving people enough but it seemed like there was like a super legit rivalry between you two and there was like a lot of times where you just straight didn't like each other and now you guys are like always going back and forth on Instagram. And it's like, to me, I think it's cool because it's like there's you, there's Ricky, and there's James that were the top of the sport. I feel like everyone that's come after that, whether it's like Dunge and RV, it's like they're just this little tiny level down on like the superstardom, the money, the private jet era, the. The like the competition that you guys had was just like so fucking intense that that's all we saw, and I think like you know there were so many great dudes like Dave and Tim Ferry, and Andrew Short, and like yeah, like, eh. like it's, I just want to watch these two dudes and then mm. these three dudes, and it was like no one else can relate to what you guys went to except you three. James is a fucking right off Like mm. don't, we're not, you know, we can't really even go there anymore. So now that just leaves you and Ricky as these two dudes that really knew what it was like to live through that time and experience the same things. And it's like, if you two never kind of like made up and became friends, you're on a fucking island, bro. Like, who are you going to talk to about the craziest, like some of the craziest shit that's ever happened in in Supercross?
1: Yeah, I think... uh, I didn't know that I would ever use the words... Like, Ricky and I, I never felt that Ricky and I had hate for each other we just had this insane competitive competitiveness about us and that never that never got turned off you know um there was always a massive amount of respect you know like i mean you know like when you look at the big picture i mean shit once upon a time it was only 99 2000 i had ricky's you know old oakley poster where he does that massive whip um in my room and then three years later you're and racing him. three years later you're, you're racing him so like i just had this ridiculous amount of burning desire to kick his ass <laughs> and he had won so much um you know like in 02 when i was here he went 24 and i was his first 24 and 0. and i just remember like the whole season like dude like this guy wins too much you know like it's time to somebody to like come I in. can be that guy I you know I can beat him um, and and fortunately I was able you know to beat him and and get in there and 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 fight with him um, and it was just a rivalry and a competitiveness that never and still to this day when you're out you know having drinks you know mucking around there's it's still there yeah. you know Um we're fortunate that we get to play around and, and have a good time and dude, and he's the king of talking he's shit de- like definitely, he lives for it yeah, yeah yeah he he lives for that and and obviously i embrace it and enjoy it too so um you know through through our commitments through you know fox, fox and things and like yeah. that we do get to you know get to, to ride and 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 play it up a little bit and and it's like soon as we get talking soon as we get away and you start having a few drinks together it's it's always, you know, like, and it, I mean, you're being around Ricky. It's not. There's never a small jab. Oh, you, so you're, you're swinging for the fences, and you're, yeah. you know, you're you're trying to knock each other out right away. So, dude, just like I always tell people, fun. like, if you want to,
0: like, if you want to know about Ricky spend five minutes around him and J.H. yeah yeah, yeah. cause like sure. the way that dude the way he rips on him and like he loves that guy they're like they're best friends mm-hmm. and it's just like it's just non-stop man and like yeah. well
1: I mean for you know one of you actually you know from my understanding he's best friend yeah um, you know an agent in, in, you know, and JH just. has him blocked on Instagram. <laughs> you know, for a long time. I think he's unblocked now, but oh. I think it's uh.
0: Dude, I went to Costa Rica with him yeah. uh, for a fox shoot, and like he just. We're at dinner and like I can't repeat the story, but he's yeah. like he's like, Dude, you have to tell that story. I'll ask you <laughs> after if he's told you that story. But he's like, You have to tell the story, dude. Yeah, and then is like, You made me do this every time and like he was getting all embarrassed and he's yeah. like, I'm not telling the story, I'm not t-. and he just wouldn't stop until he told this like insanely embarrassing story. Yeah. And I was just like relentless and just the the entire trip, like we were just fucking losing it.
1: Yeah, so that's what's always fun and, and I just think that but so it was never like a
0: legit rivalry or like a, no, a like bad I, blood kind of deal. I feel
1: like James and I, right from the beginning, it was bad blood. You know, like it just. Do you think it was maybe the age thing too? Because you guys probably are like really age, close. We're closer in age. Although really I'm in the middle, you know, like the same gap to Ricky. The middle it, child always struggles. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the same gap to Ricky is, I believe, the same gap from me to James. So um, I don't know. I just think that. James was more of a um I don't know, I don't know how to take it like uh, or put it in the words. I know that like a lot of things that probably I took to heart or or was really like pissed off about was a lot of the the racial things you get with James. Um and I don't necessarily think that James was saying all these things, but a lot of the things saying like when we would have a rivalry and then the racial stuff would come in.
0: What kind of racial stuff got said?
1: More just like, yeah, like just fact of like that I don't like black people, whatever and it's but like, you got like Aboriginal heritage. I was about right? to say with my heritage yeah, and my retarded. background, probably why I was so sensitive to it mm. because, you know, my own grandfather was black, so it's like for me, I grew up loving them. Yeah. 100%, you know. So like and and actually in 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 my opinion, James and and his family being in moto as African Americans, I just think that that's rad, you know. Yeah, yeah, Like everything about it. Like I, you know, growing up when you're growing up it's weird because although we're very close in age, he was he was younger than me, so I never really looked at him as somebody um, at equal age or whatever although we you know we, yeah. we, we went pro essentially at the same time in America um, but yeah like watching like you look at him like a kid almost yeah like watching him grow up and, and the things that he got to do in, in like in the magazines and the terraformers and stuff yeah. that you see like for me like it was rad you know like so I was almost more bummed that
0: when it like I had come this to time you, well, there was this yeah like, like this, I yeah. had this
1: mashing this massive like almost passion and camaraderie with black people, I guess, you know, like from my childhood and, you know, I almost wanted to be his friend and be cool with him. Yeah, yeah. And it was the complete opposite. We just, from the very beginning, just butted heads. Um, And I think that that was was hard, you know. Um, Man, I will say
0: though, like, uh, and obviously like we had Malcolm on JDR and so we were around Big James a lot, we we're around Malcolm a lot, I was around James a lot as well. Dude, I fucking straight up saw dude spit on Big James.
1: Yeah. Knocking no, I mean, through I've the tunnel.
0: And I was just like, dude, and and like I grew up in Cairns. I was the fucking only white kid on my football team until I was like thirteen years old. Mm-hmm. So it's like for me, it was a weird thing because like you'd see like the standard racial sort of like back and forward, but there was almost a lot of it was in jest as like kids, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, that would give us shit, we'd give them yeah, shit, yeah, but yeah. it wasn't like a racism thing. Here, but I think it's very it's different, different. It's here. so it's different. It's so much different. Like yeah. you,
1: like, I think that it's, it's openly more of a, like, I don't even know how to put it into words cause I've been kind of out of it for so long, but like, it's more a, Acceptable and yeah, and, and it's more. Well, like it's no, more it, of a funny, fun. There's no malice in it. Yeah, and it's the same
0: all. like, but it's the same like tradie talk. Yeah, to me, like Australia has banter,
1: mm-hmm. like,
0: and it's a
1: uh, it was so, and a friendly banter. Uh, exactly, sure. and
0: but you can say the most cunty thing to someone <laughs> in Australia, and it's like you're fucking cheeky bugger. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think that, and like for me to see like real racism, like. to to see someone fucking spit on someone Mm -hmm. from a stadium and like call insane names to me i was like dude i remember the fucking feeling in my stomach
1: like you almost want to beat those people up right not even
0: that man i was just like horrified (laughs) yeah like i literally couldn't believe what i just saw and i felt like i felt like i felt hurt by it yeah i was like fuck that's just a dude yeah like spat on them like a dog. Yeah. And, and I,
1: I mean, you've been around big James. He is a dude, you know, he's, he's like fucking a, funniest he is, dude ever. He's so rad. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like funny, you know, funny enough all these years later, um, you know, I got to go in and, and, and I, I hope one day James becomes okay with who he is, you know? Cause I don't, you know, you talk about me holding people at an arm's length. Oh bro.
0: They're on another level. You know,
1: yeah, Stewart's are definitely at a different level, but James uh, individually is completely his own individual on, yeah. on on taking that to a whole new level. Um,
0: There's like, I mean, someone said oh, someone said something to me. Maybe it was my mate Soarly actually just said like, how do you go from like being that good and winning and, and being like, and there was times like, man, I've played golf with him. Like I've hung out with him a bunch like he's a fucking nice dude. Mm-hmm. He's a very nice guy when you hang around him. But there's all there's never this point where he does let that guard down. And it's like to like to see the way that it was like this slow regression and you could see it while he was still riding. And I think the last time I hung out with him, I actually almost burned his house down. <laughs> one of my fucking batteries blew like one of my camera batteries caught on fire. And uh, we were just talking shit. He's like, he's like, "Hey man, I smell some smoke." <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck, that's not good." And I look over my camera bags on no, no. fire. But um, but like, you could, I could even feel then that, that there's like this real pullback from like everything. And I don't know, man. Like maybe he just like we don't obviously know what he went through. Like no. the kid was a superstar. Yeah. And but on like a crazy level too. And it's like, I wonder how much just really affected him over those years you know
1: and that's what i you know like earlier saying about like how how i started you know and really what put me on my back foot and made me want to hold people at bay you you know that there's so much deeper stuff with what he's had to deal with Mm. um, you know within the u.s and and how you know the, the stories and the few stories that you hear um, and then the few that you've seen just like you mentioned about his you know, his father being spat on and things like that. So you just you know that there's deep, deep shit there and, and yeah. whatever and like for me I hope one day we can go play golf and yeah. and you know, and, and hang out in an environment that is completely removed, removed from, removed all, from all that. Because at the end of the day,
0: Again, it's that thing like he's, you guys can relate to each other you know, in like such a unique way we, that yeah, yeah. And,
1: and and we're probably more alike than we'd ever care to like to admit, like <laughs> care to admit you yeah. know. And I think that that probably is a reason why we butt heads also, yeah, um, or why we have butted heads. Um, but for me, it makes me really happy. Like when I see you know the rare picture of him with his kids, with his kids and, and stuff like that. I mean, he generally looks, you know, like like he's a good dad, and and for me, that's. That's what it's about, you know. At this point in his career in life, and he's one of the baddest dudes I've ever had to race, and one of the baddest dudes ever to swing a leg over a bike. So proud and pumped that I got to, you know, kind of live and experience that. He motivated me day in and day out for over ten years. Yeah. Um. So in a in a, in, a, in a strange way, I I I feel lucky. Like you owe him a lot in a way. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. 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 You know. Although he, you know, though he caused me many sleepless nights. Yeah. Um he he also, you know, fueled and motivated the next day and the mornings and the days of of putting plans together that to how we're gonna beat this kid, you know. So um it's it's been a fun and it's 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 a shame to see him kind of now kind of just go on MIA Man. Know, more than anything.
0: I had these conversations with him and so he um there was like this thing I did for DC when he signed with DC and I'd just flown in from like, I can't remember where I was. I, I, oh, I was like going to London the next day or maybe I just got back from London. It was right, right before Christmas or whatever. Anyway, he rocks up to the track. And at this point, like, like we've been like, you know, talk, play golf together, all that kind of shit. Like I'd actually, I'd, and I'd tell people he's a fucking super nice guy, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then he comes to the track super late and I was like tripping. I'm like, fuck, I wanna get back to California. I've just been in London for two weeks. I gotta to get go to California, that's a shit flight. Got all my camera gear. I just wanna go, I wanna get home. And then he gets the track late and I was like, all right, dude, whatever, it's all good, I get it. And then comes there, does like two laps and then he's like, ah, the bike sounds weird. And then I'm like, all right, cool. Well, fucking, let's get on another one. Like, let's just, let's, let's make this shit happen. And he's like, nah, nah, man, like I really, I think we need to get it checked out. I'm gonna send the motor back to California. And I'm like, dude, I've fucking run bikes my whole life. There's nothing wrong with that thing. Like, you're good. Let's just bust this shit out. And then, so then he's like, he's like, all right, I got to go. Uh, I got some shit to do, but I'll be back. I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. I'm like, my flight leaves tonight. And he's like, oh, dude, is there any chance you could? So I extended my flight like a fucking idiot. And then um, came back, he rode the next day and and it was all good. But that, that next day he's like oh would you like would you want to like make videos like throughout the year and like do some fun stuff and i was like james you're so fucking good on a bike you don't ever have to win a race again bro like this was when he was on suzuki's and it was kind of like Mm tailing out i'm like i don't know if you understand this whole like instagram thing that's going around but like you don't have to do shit all you have to do is throw retarded whips and like have fun that's it that's all you need to do for now. You can make money off that. You can engage with your fans off that. Like, you can let people into this whole world that you're going on on your own terms. You don't have to go race. Like, you should do this. Like, could you imagine Bubba at Calamus?
1: Like, It'd be fun.
0: Dude, it would be crazy, you know? And, and I, there was just this block, man. Like, he, he could have gone in this direction and stayed in the sport. And, like, look at... Like, dude, you're going to be able to show up at X Open for the next five, ten years. People are going to be pumped regardless because people you've earned that like people are so invested in chad reed that you have earned that you don't have to win like people want to see you out there i want to see you out there i think the sport's a better place Mm -hmm. for you being out there and dude hammer said this to me on the phone and i was like it this was like this light bulb thing and i'm sure he said it to you he said it's so easier to keep chad reed in the sport than make a new one Mm -hmm. and i just think that is like insanely true and last year, especially last year, was frustrating because I know the KTM ride was between you and Tickle, and I love Tickle, and he's a very, very good dude. But KTM fucked up mm-hmm. because what? Like uh, to me, it's just like the industry's lost sight a little bit of like what are we doing this for?
1: Well, I mean, originally it was always about selling motorcycles and hundred percent and product and you know, on a global basis, I can confidently say that I do that better than anybody. Um, At the very worst. At least the top five. Equal or on the same page as Kenny. Yeah. I don't know where it all comes from, but, you know, there's, there's some talk that Kenny does it on a global basis. Um, I don't know, you know, like, when you look at the big places selling, you know Australia is one of the. It's a big you know, marketplace. It's a big market, and and I think I play a big role in that area. Um, yeah, it was,
0: <laughs> it was frustrating. I, I
1: think, uh, but I think it, it the sports becomes, lost.
0: I think the sports lost sight of the fact of like I think they that the sport thinks that the rivalry between uh, Eli Tomac and Marvin Musquin is somehow going to be as crazy as Chad Reed and James Stewart. I got fucking news for everybody. No one cares.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, and not, that's the that's truth for sure. It
0: is true. And it sucks. They're both amazing dirt bike riders. But like, it, it's not about that. Like, even like I'm a huge UFC fan. Win or lose, people want to see Conor McGregor fight. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because there's this transcendence that happens. There's this magic fucking special source that no one really knows the recipe to it. You had it. Ricky had it. James had it, Travis has it, K-Dub has it, McGrath had it. And it's like, we, through, if you look through history, in, for mine, it's like you've got the Bradshaw era, then you've got the Stanton, uh, John Michelle Bale era, and then you've got, like, us, uh, sorry, um, McGrath comes Intro, along, and, and then, yeah, him and Emig, and then it's like, then uh, Ricky comes along, and then you dethrone Ricky, and then James dethrones you, and then but then it stops.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, like, well, I don't know why. I don't know what happened maybe it got too clinical
1: and it got I think the changing of the guard was Ricky you know Ricky it it got too serious Ricky took it to a whole new level of being serious and you know I think it was there was such a there was such a part of the sport like like I don't ever believe or I don't buy into that Jeremy didn't work hard or you know the races were still 20 laps long back then he was so unbelievably talented and so much better technically than everybody else. Maybe he didn't have to work as hard as Mike LaRocco or Jeff Emig or Larry Ward, Um, but he was able to technically be so much better. And then Ricky came in and I think lacked in the early days the technique, but then, you know, had to work harder and took the working hard to a whole nother level. And then I think as the years went on, the technique caught up, and he just kind of like went on a tear where technique and, you know, although it wasn't always pretty, I always get a bit of a kick out of, and I think Ricky plays it up a little bit, and maybe it's something that he believes. But for me, I don't believe or buy into that Ricky wasn't ever as talented as Kevin Wyndham. Because Kevin did things definitely nice and pretty and whatever, but like Ricky was ridiculously talented, mm. you know. Like, and I think that people always said it, and Ricky just kind of takes it, and you know, I think it's his way of his little brush off, kind of brush off and and get a you know a bit of a dig and a jam it in people's faces that he doesn't really he wasn't that talented, but he was he worked hard. Yeah, I don't buy like I don't know that I've you know. James included, I don't know that from motocross to supercross, from hard, slick, mud, ruts, I don't know that I've actually confidently, I know I haven't raced anybody more talented than Ricky Carmichael in that area, you know, those areas. I just think he he had a work ethic and, you know, things – that just made it work right for him you know like he i think he was the first one to come in with the trainer with the bus um you know with a tight group of people like more insulated like he yeah like he he was the first one that really took the you know the training camp and the 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 training facility to that next level um so i think when you're the first you're always you're always learning and you've learned a lot of things that you know myself coming in then james coming in we were always doing things based off him not yeah in in a way yes based off of what you see and and you know it's kind of like okay well he's winning and he's doing this this and this okay we need this and this and it's like essentially you're three four years behind yeah you know um, you know, maybe in reality it didn't really work out like that, but in in a lot of ways, yeah. Your your learning process has gotta go quicker and, and because he's already been there and done that. I can see that logic you know what making I mean? sense. And I think that when you when you now look at our sport, our sport is literally based off of the greatest of all time in the fact that you gotta have Alden as a trainer, you gotta be you know, in a boot camp from November to January, you got to eat this, you know, from here to here. And, you know, you can only eat so many calories a day. And it's, I just, I don't believe that there's, these guys generally love what they do. I I don't, I don't believe that. I really don't, you know, like where I think, I think Ricky, James, myself, and prior to that, we, we truly loved it. And you know and I think it was fun and it was it was an experience and and now it's just I don't know it it doesn't have that same feeling about it you know like where I don't see I don't see Eli or Marvin Jason like truly loving what they do Well that's know? what's
0: crazy like did you see the little snippet um where he said like it's pretty funny. I actually fucking can't believe he said it. But he goes like, "Oh yeah, I just had to tell Alden that I'm sick of him and I'm going to California. Nothing personal, but I just want to get away from you." Like, mm-hmm. fucking, that's like gnarly. Like, that's the champ, and he's telling the greatest and, trainer ever, like, "Nah, man, I'm over it." And, maybe,
1: and he won. And maybe why he did win, you know, for sure. Maybe, well, like, maybe know, it's time. In my opinion, it's time for the Webs and the Marvins and all these people, like you got to take it all and you got to take it in and you you know in in my opinion i feel like some of the athletes that are there their managers are more there and invested there than the athlete is the athlete's mind is elsewhere you know so he's there but he's not really there he's just going through the motions but like how you much know?
0: of that do you think is because these kids have like babied, and they like haven't had to figure the shit out themselves and like Like you look at a a kid or who would be like a good example of it. Maybe like Cooper. Like Cooper's always had a ride. Like, dude, he was Red Bull Jams kid at 12. And then he's always had a ride. Like they they got so farmed. Like they didn't do the motorhome busting like you and Ellie did at Mm. 18 in a different country. And there's like some real life shit that went down in that. That kind of era that you grew up in, and I feel like nowadays you've got like the the manager that comes along, and then the boots are done, the goggles. <laughs> there's like there, there's a dude for the drink bottle, there's a dude for the Dunlop hat, there's a dude for the um, for the uh, tour water can. There's a dude. There's just there's a fucking guy for everything. Yeah, and like and it was honestly like one of the things that I used to see with James as well, and and I'd be like, like you've just got a guy for everything and then like but what are you really handling like the substance is like winning after you've had to like go through all this bullshit and you know like for me i spent all week trying to get ready for that live podcast this weekend it was it was a fucking nightmare like i didn't sleep i didn't get to train i didn't get to do anything i was stressed out i was fucking arguing with my girlfriend Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and then but then when it was done i was like pumped and I felt like I felt a lot of accomplishment and I felt great about what I'd done because I actually had to do some shit. And it's like not to take away that what they do on the bike, but it's just like this, this tiny little, um, groundhog day that they exist in because everything else is kind of taken care of these days. There's a guy for everything. And I think that it, it gets to be like a slippery slope when, uh, like, you've got a guy that's acting on your best interest. So like with James, there'd be a guy that you'd have to call and you'd go, hey, we need to do this shoot with James for Bell, And Bell's asked us to do it and they want us to go through. And then you've got this guy that's like vetting his schedule and like, oh, I'm going to have to check with this and check with that. And, oh, man, he's kind of not feeling it at the moment. And it's like I feel like that those dudes are like just justifying their job, totally. and then they're going back to James and being like, "Oh man, you have no idea what I've had to deal with this mm-hmm. week. I had like all these guys call me and these." So like I am doing a lot of work. Like let's keep this paycheck coming in, essentially. Yeah, and you, I think you know?
1: that that's probably like I'm at that point in my life where where my timing and, and my image and my likeliness is is more important to me than ever. Um, I recently, a year ago, you know, just got rid of my long, long time agent and, you know, just kind of wanted to do it alone because it just feels like, you know, once upon a time, these agencies brung a lot to the table. table. Um, I, you know, and, and, and not in a disrespectful way, but like when you look at action sports, when you look at motorsports in general, on a global basis, sponsorship doesn't exist like it used to, uh-uh. you know. Um, so I think with respect to the agencies, that we, we're in a different time, you know. Now it's all social media, and if you got a tick, you can DM anyone, <laughs> right?
0: Like, so like you go to like, oh, I want to go to Toyota, or I want to get Fort. This is gonna DM Fort. They're gonna see that shit if you got a blue tick and eight hundred thousand followers. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's a different and era. It's definitely different, and I think that yeah, like I mean, back in oh four or five, you know, like the the three, four, five hundred thousand dollars slim gym deals and. Um, you know, the Etnies contracts. I mean, I don't think anybody in moto has even a shoe deal these days, you know? they
0: so are getting a couple of pairs for free. Like,
1: literally, you're getting product only. It's just, yeah. it's such a different time and error and, you know, though it's motorsport, but even look at NASCAR. It's like you look at, you know, Jimmy Johnson's had for almost 20 years lows and it's like they just pulled out of the sport and it's mm. like a seven-time champion is struggling to find a, you know, a sponsor, you know, and it's like he's probably, you know, we're junior out of it. He's the biggest name in the sport and it's just tough. Like I look at my own team that I'm currently on with the Joe Gibbs racing and mm. it's like, you know, they're struggling to find sponsors, you dude, know? And
0: like, dude, and I mean, I, and I don't want to like do money figures and stuff, but from what I've heard, like your old Etni's contract would probably get
1: you through next year. Oh, uh, my, my, my shoe deal, my old Etney's shoe deal is, is probably li- worth liter- more than what I get. Literally more than what I get paid from Fox these days, you know? And it's like, just, yeah, like, it's and I think that that, that sucks the fun a lot of out of a little bit too, you know? Like when, when you feel like you're working, you're actually, you know, you're giving your everything, you're working your ass off and you're getting paid well, I think that people are genuinely happy. Yeah. to to be pulled in a thousand different directions but when everybody's feeling the the crunch and and, 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 dull, you're, and you're literally getting nickel and dimed on everything yeah. um i just think the, the 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 fun factor or you know this guy pulling you over here and this guy pulling you over here and i can honestly say that you get pulled more now than ever than ever when i was getting paid millions of dollars from people I felt like those people were pulling me less than Mm. it seems like the smallest deal you have those people want to pull on you more more. and I'm like at at what point do you say it's okay and that this makes sense because there's more headache involved than than not and I feel like so I just think that generally it's not as enjoyable or as fun though I love it and I'm not wanting to go anywhere, but just openly speaking of how it was in the old days compared to now, um, and my own personal experience, I just think that, yeah, I don't think that fun factor is, is there. I mean, once upon a time we used to do these sponsor obligations that would be, you know, two, three days at a time. And they would, you would just go and have a blast, you know, like, Parts Unlimited back in the old days in Thor. You know, Jeff Fox would take us to Janesville and we'd hang out at the factory and we'd work our ass off. Like you'd, you know, sign hours a day and, you know, day and night. But it was when you clocked out, it was it was the feeling that you had from the bosses that they truly were happy and proud of your efforts and that they, they gave you that feeling like, you know that made you want to wake up at six a.m. the next morning and and do more hours of signing and and make make the employees happy. Now it's just I don't know. It's just it's unauthentic. It, it's it's not that fun. Um, everything just seems vanilla. It seems predictable. Um, where in the old days it was more. Like you just got to do things that I think the athletes were in better moods in better, yeah. you know, you, they, you were in a better situation um, where now it's just, it's not quite the same.
0: Well, I think that the definitely like, I mean, the world's changed in terms of social media, right? And it's like you, we talk about like the Lowe's NASCAR thing. So it's like, it's the same with the, 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 pop, the whole podcast thing's the same. Like podcast is just fucking up the radio. Mm-hmm. Like see your radio, like you're done. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't listened to the radio in years now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I mean, because it's, I mean... It's convenient. I can do it when I want to do it. I can listen to what I want to do. And, and I think that what happened was, like, if you think about, like, the 50s and 60s, it's like, buy Coca-Cola. And it was like, that's the only ad you saw. And it was, you, you kind of, you got, like, told what you had to like because it was popular culture. Hmm. And that's where that name come from. And now that I think that, that fringe culture is culture oh, you like uh, you like some – like, jujitsu jitsu is a perfect example, right? So, that's, like, the fucking rabbit hole I'm living in at the moment. And it's, like, there's these YouTube videos with, like, millions and millions of views, man. Like, dudes that are superstars because they, like, share these instructionals on YouTube. Yeah. So, it's, like – Yeah, I mean – People can decide what they want. So, now, like – and me and Jason Haynes were talking about this the other night at Supercross – is I said to I said to him because we're sponsored by Boost, you're sponsored by yep. Boost, and uh, I just said like fuck man, like the brand looks full now, like since they've taken over, it looks thick, it looks full, it looks like it used to look, and then I was like I was like it's crazy what you guys have done. And I think like,
1: uh, Boost has that OG yeah. action sports feel to it, you know, like they're. It seems like a company where they're thriving to do cool shit, hmm. um, and I think that that generally, you know, and not taking away from Jason and his team here, but sometimes that comes from trickles down from the top. You oh, hundred percent. And obviously, Peter being more of an old school guy is a madman, you know, and is a <laughs> madman not afraid to not afraid to do it differently, yeah. and, and unfortunately. The way Boost is doing it is more normal to us, but it's it's now old school. It's a different way of doing it. And I think that that's... Like, I generally look at and follow Boost for the obvious reasons of being an athlete, but, you know, like, when I see... What is he? He's got to be 12 years old, the, the one little skater oh, they have. Oh, that skate kid. That little skate kid. Like, you know, like, I just think from, you know, their their involvement from, yeah, like like I said, like you look on Instagram and I look and I see this 12-year-old kid ripping around on a skateboard and then in the next one it's either it's, it's me or it's BMX or it's the V8 guys and I just think that that is, that's cool, you and know, it, like you're looking like, at like here I am 36, yeah, you know been with seen at all old, yeah. with and but then with a 12 year old and as a you know as a dad of three and my oldest is you know only four years short of a 12 year old i just think it's cool that a brand is looking after their og you Yeah, know? i mean i've been around the well, boost. you made boost really. i've been around boost In since this, they, yeah. they since they launched um and then you you see the corners from a 12 year old coming into you know x games and i think he had an injury so he didn't get to do x games but you know all that kind of stuff and i just think that that's really cool and i i would i choose to be a part of Mm. something you know that i feel like going places and 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 things like that so yeah that's i wish more people did that like the the way they activate the way they Mm. they do things it's it it has a, a core feel to well, it. Well,
0: even like, man, with them jumping on board this podcast, like they had no idea what it was going to be. No. And I was just like, look, dude, it's going to be cool. Trust mm-hmm. me. Like, just give us a, like, I just asked for basically no money at the start. Yeah. And I was like, let's just do it. It's going to work. And they, they said yes. But what was interesting with what Jason said, and I think it speaks to this whole new sort of landscape, is like, I thought they got more money than the old, like, when it was under the old management here. So I was like, so what I thought was that Peter gave them like way more money and then they just got to be everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. But what it was, like I was talking to Hainsey and he said, dude, it's the same budget. And yeah. I was like, how did you do this for the same budget? Like what did – I don't get how you can just be everywhere. And it is that thing of like paying less big ticket things yeah. and being everywhere because it's like we just don't have pop culture anymore. You've, you've just got – hundreds and hundreds of subcultures and in each of these subcultures there's like so much relevance and there's such a thriving population of people and it's like nowadays unfortunately if you want to be a company that's killing it like Fox they make mountain bike gear they Mm. make chicks mountain bike gear like you just there's so much to compete with people's attention now that it's not good enough to just have the NASCAR bonnet and that's going to inspire millions of people to go exactly like and, and it it's like a good and a bad because it's like the money's not there in the way it was to like go to the extreme, the way that you guys got to go to. But then again, it's like also just gets like kind of trickled over, over everything. Like it's, it's definitely a weird time. And like, that was one of the things I was interested to ask you about is what it was like to know that like you and Ricky and James is like, that's the top three highest paid dudes ever. You did the private jet thing. Mm -hmm. You did the bus thing. Like your fucking motorhome is (laughs) crazy. And it was like, that's the pinnacle and that's gone now. And you got to live through that and you got to see the struggling privateer, not privateer, but the struggling European kind of adventure that you guys went on to, to then go to that extreme private jet life. And then,
1: yeah, I mean, then I, now
0: to the Husky like 2018, essentially, like that's you've been through like all the phases of what this sport has to offer.
1: Yeah, and, and I guess the fact that I did get to ride that that wave, um, you know, obviously allows me to do, you know, do it because in a lot of ways, you know, and, and I guess to touch on current, it doesn't make any sense to go racing from a, a straight up. Financial money point of view, point of view it, it makes no sense to go racing. That's what that's right, kind of like what right, I was right getting with, right now. with James. Because you know, like you don't get paid well at all. Um, everybody wants to cut you. Everybody wants to slice dice. Everybody wants to still expect everything from you. And they're just they're just the reality. Is is there's not a lot of money there anymore. Um, I could retire and make more money. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, do do Australia, the New Zealand, do Paris Supercross, Genoa, make of five hundred grand a year. You know, doing four races a year, I struggle to make that doing full time having twenty races a year. So it's like, at what point does that make sense? You know, in an agency or an agent telling you you're fucking crazy because you could do five races, six races a year, a couple of events and make close to a million dollars. And have way more fun. And have way more fun. Or go and race 20 races a year and feel like you're getting absolutely screwed in every way possible. But for me... The risk you're exposing yourself to is like insane. But for me, I have rode the good days, you know? So because I, you know, I mean, shit. Like realistically, there was once upon a time that I wouldn't even consider swinging a leg over a bike for less than $5 million. That's reality. That's me, Ricky, and James only. There ain't no one currently making half that. Um, So I think that we were lucky, you know, and that's all prior to swinging a leg over a bike. That's not bonuses, wins, championships, etnies deals, etnies deals, (laughs) all those kinds of things. So I think that you know i feel really fortunate that i got to live that that era um because it really did it went from really from my stepping into the u.s you know it was like it was already going like that you know motorcycle sales and clothing and everything the sport in general was just on fire until and it was like in tandem with the whole
0: it was in tandem with like the
1: freestyle thing too yeah, I mean, it was all of us. You know like, I mean, it was, yeah, like, it was Kerry obviously, and you know, Kerry and Deegan and all those guys, everything. Like, I, I, would, I would package action sports. Yeah, it just went... Because, you know, I mean, shit, we were all, you know, the Dave Myriads of the sport, Kerry Hartz, you know, Ryan Nyquist, you know, Ryan Sheckler, you know. It's funny that he's 30 or 31 years old now. He it, used to be, you know, just a baby, it seemed like, and... Yeah, I mean, it. it's insane to think of, like, what we all were, and then it just, we all kind of went hand in hand, you know? Like, it was, I remember going to the S B Awards with those guys, and, you know, being grouped in, we used to have a Supercross at X Games, it was moto yeah, at X yeah, Games, yeah. and now it just... It's, like, deflated. It's it like really It's like it was is. a bubble. Like, I mean, even X Games, like... Mm. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but like I look at X Games and it's n- it's not the same. No. Like I remember that I would turn the TV on and not miss an event. Yeah, dude. Whether it's sure. skating, vert, BMX, dirt, VmX. But that's what I'm
0: saying about the personalities. Like like the, there is no Chad Reed now, and it's like Kenny's maybe the closest thing. Dino's cool as fuck. Ando's super cool, but it's not the same. Like these guys are crazy cool, but like dude, I looked at you as, like, this fucking fake, like, not fake, like, uh, like, this superhero, like, you weren't real, like, it was so unattainable to be Chad Reed, but to me, like, that's lost now, like, I just don't know that kids have that same thing for, like, Dean or, or Kenny, and, and it was, like, yeah it was like this concoction of everything that that led to that it wasn't wasn't just your writing it wasn't just Ricky's writing it was, it was this think, whole uh, thing that happened that we've kind of lost now,
1: and I think that you you currently get probably a better look into people's lives than ever mm. um you get to see the data Shout out da- to Earl. yeah right <laughs> you yeah like I don't know that like like we. You know, like, if we go back to the beginning of, you know, me and keeping people at an arm's length, like, I don't let, there's certain things that I don't let people in on. You will never see me in the gym, people in my house doing film, you know, like filming other than MTV Cribs. No one comes and has access to my house of, like, seeing me train not because I'm doing anything that no one else is doing. But for me, that's not cool. I don't find it that cool because I I see it already a million times across social media. So why show somebody something that's already been getting showed a million times over? So I always am the kind of like everyone's like, hey, we like, like that's like, I feel like our sport in general, you know, like when, when, Feld comes to us. It's so predictable what they want from you. Oh, dude, tell you me know. about
0: it. Like <laughs> I've shot the same thing a million times. Like literally, like, I, like I don't know. I get to word. a point where I like I don't know how to do this any cooler. Like right. I think it's done.
1: And so think about for you from yeah. me that's been there since two thousand and two, and literally word for word, script for script on hey we want this this and this. I'm like fuck. Let's change it up. Let's do something. And I've I've pushed, I don't know if I should say I've pushed, but I've I've authentically utilized my kids and my family Dude, life. Yeah,
0: you could see like a point. And where I'm like
1: and I that's me pushing against the grain of like, "Hey, we want to we want to come to your gym and shoot your opening ceremonies." Oh my gosh, yeah. shoot me in the head now. Dude, like I remember. Like have we not seen that on everybody Everything. else, you yeah. know, like so for me, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. You're not coming to my house for one. You're not coming into my gym two, and I don't want to do that three. So yeah. that's not happening. So let's figure out. Okay, I want my kids, and I always have. You know, like the last two or three years, I've had my kids in my opening ceremonies. Dude, I remember being at A One when kids. the
0: the first time yeah. that that shit come on and it was, was it 2-2 was the first time you did that
1: yeah oh um, with yeah, the kids yeah, yeah. and the, you it
0: was the, like you and Tate writing and shit it was
1: me and Tate writing and, and then uh, he
0: come out at the opening ceremony totally the crowd fucking nuts. lit up dude yeah, yeah. lit up and I remember it uh, sitting and there and you can't
1: and I went, you can't predict that you can't you don't know if that's going to be a fail because or or yeah. I mean you're working at that point he's four or five years old you know, kids are not robots. They they only do what, what they, they want to do. Yeah. So, you you know, you're always, um, you know, you're at the mercy of whether they're having a good moment or not, yeah. whether they want to participate. Bring in the stunt kid. Bring in the yeah, stunt kid. bring in. the stunt kid. But <laughs> Where's yeah, yeah, I mean, so I think that when we talk more negative, it all trickles from the top, yeah. you know? And I just think that we need to, I don't know, like – you need to be able to embrace the athletes more. You know, like we always hear about it. Like probably the last ten years, I've you know I've I've you know constantly heard about the push for you know all the certain things, um, but generally it hasn't changed. You know, like when I watch a TV show for Supercross, it's so predictable. Yeah, you know, like they cover the same shit. You know, the whole mechanic side of it is so lame. Let's put a mic on the mechanic. You know, like, just, I just think that there's, I don't know, they, somebody isn't doing their job correctly to go and, and get real personality. Well, yet, like, you dude, know. you
0: think about, like, Verb. That right. was the coolest fucking shit in motocross. And where is it? Well, it, yeah, people it, People
1: wouldn't support it. That's <laughs> It's great, but it's like that was the dopest shit. And, and I think that that is ideally the number one reason why our sport is hurting. Because, like you said, they're doing rad, dope stuff. What does it take to do rad, dope stuff? Money. Money and, and time. S- and
0: support as and, well, yeah.
1: And, and time, like or participation from mm. athletes. Yeah. So... When you've got said athlete, I'm not the good example because I don't have um, a trainer or somebody tell me what to do. But when you've got the top guy, yeah. you know, and and in and in verbs time RV Dunge, those guys, they're so regimented, they're so controlled by trainer, manager, yeah, backup manager manager's friend helmet guy helmet guy yeah. hat guy yeah gear guy goggle guy that there's there's no access to them so yeah. how can you create cool shit from a turd in my yeah, opinion yeah
0: exactly like, that's just how it is i think and <laughs> now like the the so like dean is a per- dean and adam perfect example they've both just started youtube channels and it's like hallelujah like, thank you. And nowadays, too, like, technology's got, well, I think there's a, there's a thing, too, that happened to where, and I think, w- like, Wes is a little bit a victim of his own success in a way where the production level, like, the shit we used to shoot was so fucking good. Then it got out of control.
1: It was out of control for Dude. sure. Because then it was it always required. I mean, obviously, and yeah, I was. You showed with West recently at yeah. Will, right? And, yeah, that, and yeah, they like had the, like
0: the art they had the fucking the, the drone and,
1: and you the know, like
0: what was the big uh, the, ATV deal that they yeah, had? Yeah, the
1: A T V and then they had like the you know, like the cables above my Zicrosjack. Exactly, yeah. So you you have to be you have to have an athlete willing to participate in a multi day thing. And it's a lot of work. And it sucks because as a 36-year-old that probably looks at things very differently than a 26-year-old that I was at 26, you didn't. You don't see the big picture that age. You're just mm. head down, ass up, you know, doing your thing. And really, you're, you're only as good as the data you're taking from man friend, hat holder, yeah. gear guy, trainer guy, manager guy.
0: And you trust those dudes and you, because you, they're you the generally, guys that Yeah,
1: you, you've kind of put your faith in, and you, you know, like... you. you you do your thing and what you think's gonna make you go from A to B and and be the best that you can be, and yeah, like those guys don't, you know, because as long as they're they're doing or essentially looking like they're doing their job and you're paying exactly. them, they don't, they're not gonna mess with, you know, the athlete, they're and, not gonna rock the boat, and not gonna rock the boat at all. So I just think it's this slippery slide of of what it's becoming, and and I think. What concerns me personally about Dino and Adam, I also think it's rad, and I think that Earl probably has a, you know, and I don't want to say this wrong because Dino's one of my closest friends, but I think seeing where Dino's at, and I really hope that he gets back on a factory team and, and, and you know, gets that success that he deserves, if that doesn't happen, I really believe Dino has a higher success rate of embracing yeah. his actual real personality. Yeah. What's authentic, you know, authentic to him and fun for him, enjoyable for him. Um, but I do know that obviously the racing desire burns deep, deep inside him. So he's trying to do that. Trying to balance it. But I think if Dino and Adam are not successful in, from a racing standpoint, that whole YouTube thing, people don't care. like, there's certain people that don't care and, yeah. and those people are Mitch yeah. and race teams and factories and those kinds of people because now that would, you know, like it's, it's, it's so easily viewed as like, oh, it's like they care more about this, their head's over here.
0: But like we got, all you have to do and and I mean you're like bang on, but to that to that, like I'd say to the Mitches and the whoever's is like, look at every other industry, every other action sport. You got free surfers, free riders, skaters that just make video parts. Like that shit still exists. Mm -hmm. There's dudes that like the best surfers in the world aren't on tour. So it's like every other sport has that. And it's like motocross is so stubborn and clinging to this race win thing. And it's like, dude, I'd never bought a bike in my life off a race win. (laughs) For real. No, I agree. I had Hondas my whole life Mm -hmm. because my dad loves fucking Hondas. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's that's the long and the short of it. But gear I bought on personality. Dude, my brother had every like every Thor set of gear that you ever wore from fucking 04 to 08. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that sort of stuff, people buy off personality. Mm-hmm. But I just I think that the bike ties, I just don't think, at least from a personal level, and I just I don't know that many people that are influenced on a bike sale, thing i feel like that change with ktm and Dungey though like i think that that was a point where it really was like okay they're selling some motorcycles now off winning and maybe kenny did it a bit when he lit everyone up in the, those first three rounds when that new honda came out but like honestly man like i don't know that people buy bikes based off the race win stuff i think that it's more that personality. Who's your favorite guy? And mm. it's not always the guy that wins.
1: Yeah, no i i would ag- I would agree. A li- there's a like I think that sure. there's yeah. There's both definitely, sides of. It. There's definitely ways that people can be persuaded that one well, bike's like, better than the other.
0: Perfect per example. Sorry, I cut you off. How many Kawasaki's did you see in the 450 main event on the weekend?
1: Yeah, only with the one that's, one. that's supported by the. You know the Australian Kawasaki guys. For
0: How sure. many? Who won the most main events in Supercross 2018? What brand?
1: In uh, oh, in AMA, yeah, in the U.S. Kawasaki, just, uh,
0: Kawasaki for sure. You know, and I mean that's a super isolated example, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It, uh, what I'm what I'm getting at is it just doesn't directly translate. No, I know? I
1: would agree with that, and I think that in that respect, Kawasaki has also made a, a huge. They took a gamble but i think it's a gamble that's going to pay off because they're the first japanese bike to really jump into putting hydraulic clutch on the bike mm. you know they're not the first to put uh, electric start but now they have electric start yeah that's the new thing does look so good. i i think i do think that the new kawasaki is is looked at differently it's the first bike it's the first japanese brand to essentially go up against the Austrian Do the bikes, KTM you know? model, yeah. And I think that people respect that part of it because though I'm fortunate to know the ins and outs of why these companies, the Hondas, the Suzuki, the Yamahas, don't essentially just throw all this stuff on their production bikes, it's you've got to applaud, I think, a company that wants to go out and... Build a badass bike, you know, because at the end of the day, you're a racer, and I'm not average Joe going and riding, you know, the local trails. You know, like you want a motorcycle that's rad, mm. you know. So I think that 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 formula is cool, and I and I hope that that is something that we all we all follow suit, you know. So um, I have obviously, you know, with being back with. Working with the Japanese with Suzuki, um, I know that a lot of the conversations and a lot of the questions mm. that we that we have are electric start, hydraulic clutch. You know all these essential things that are are foreign to Japanese brands. It's crazy how stubborn know.
0: they are, man. The Japanese.
1: I don't know that I would. Use, I guess is it stubborn? Are no. They? Once upon a time, I would say stubborn, but as I've become older and in and I probably care, or or I've maybe after actually post running my own race team. Yeah, okay. And, and understanding budgeting and how much money you spend to make a motorcycle a half pound lighter, or you know, all these essential things. It doesn't really matter. You yeah, know? like when you look at you know uh, like the Japanese bikes right now, you know and. <laughs> I hate saying it when you, when you're a Japanese bike guy, but they're so heavy compared to a Jap- you know, to a KTM and a Husky. Like I'm talking 15, 20 pounds heavier. That's insanity. It, you know what I mean? And I can't even bicep curl that, <laughs> right? And it's like when you think about it, you're that much lighter. You have electric start. You have a battery. Or the like, you know. All yeah, the, all the shit all the, that goes with that, all the wiring and crap that goes with it. A hydraulic clutch. Essentially, you got all these cool things, and your bike is still lighter. And I just think that the, there's a general consensus of people embracing that evolution. Mm. I think you know, and 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 maybe I'm wrong, but I think the Japanese don't. They're not buying into that straight racing aspect of it, you know, like they, yeah. they, they're still aiming at the core people buying the motorcycle. That isn't me, you know, like, cause I'm not the perfect example of somebody going and buying a bike, you yeah. know, like it's, it's average Joe, you know, weekend warrior guy that's super pumped on his bike, you know, because he's a Suzuki guy through and through kind yeah. of thing. So yeah, you, you definitely see it differently when you, when you have, being exposed to it more you know yeah it makes sense but the racer in me definitely wants to get frustrated yeah yeah. like i want to you want everybody to push the envelope you know like some of the stuff that i try and i get to race with you know the general public would be pumped on that and that would make a difference and they would like that you know but but the cost to put that into production but yeah obviously the cost to put that into production is is far outweighs the you know the ups than 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 their losses you know
0: how how long ago does Europe feel to when you're doing? Like, is that still like a super fun memory? Because like I don't I don't remember really like reading a lot of you talking about Europe.
1: Everything's happened so fast. Like I wouldn't say that Europe feels long ago at all. You know, like it's everything's happened so damn fast. Um, Europe was the most fun. Yeah, that, I get, that, I get I, that
0: from, like, a lot of people that I know that have been there.
1: Yeah, like, I would say that Europe was the funnest that Ellie and I had. Because Euros are just fucking freaky, bro. And when I say that, it's not that we generally had more fun. Um It was more the environment and, mm. and how just straight off the boat you were, yeah. you know? Like, you were so fresh, you were young and dumb, and you just... It was the experience of the unknown, you know, like sitting in your driveway, going to the first GP, and literally looking at a map, and you're in <laughs> you're in Belgium, and you need to go to Spain, and you don't know which way to go out of your driveway. <laughs> you know, like there was no iPhones, yeah. there was no navigation. Um, you Damn. know, I recently spent twenty days in in Europe with the, with the family, and God, it's so easy now with an iPhone. You literally in English, you know, put in the address that you want, press go and it tells you in English where you, where to go you know, back in those days it was following a map down to a certain point and then it tells you, okay you gotta go to M16 and then you gotta you know, through go through the pages M16 and then you follow it all again you know um, so I think that at 18 years old es- Ellie literally fresh out of graduation of high school, that is um, insane right? can you imagine Tate doing that shit being like, hey man,
0: uh, me and my girlfriend—the uh, day she graduates, we're gonna fly to Europe. And
1: that—that's funny, you know. Like when you think, when you think, when you put it into that contents of, of you, you know, your own child and things like that. Um, obviously, my obviously my own experience. I, you know, you want you have to embrace it because you know, like I'd be a hypocrite for it, for mm. not. Um, so yeah, it's different, and but it's like, what's funny for me. Is is when I when I look back at it all, I had nothing. I didn't have money to my name. I mean, yeah, I was successful and you know won two championships here and things like that. But that, I mean, shit, my salary was twenty five thousand dollars a year back then. You know, ballin', uh, ballin'. <laughs> you know, like I literally, I think I had a highest van to my name. Um, other than that, two kids. You know, like for me, i I'd, I'd been pro two years. Um, Ellie graduated in 2000 um so at the end of yeah at the end of 2000 like right after graduation so she was accepted into into college and she uh i don't know if that's generally how it works all over the world but um in australia you can defer for a year do
0: the gap year or whatever
1: yeah yeah so she deferred a year and we both essentially went into it what was she gonna do um she wanted to do uh childhood um like teaching you know like oh uh, yeah like kindergarten through, you know, first, second grade, which is, is what her mom does. So she loves, you know, from this, the moment I met her, she's always been, you know. Very motherly. Very and, motherly yeah. and, and and looking after children. And, you know, her sister's 10 years younger than her, and and so she, you know, pretty much babied her the whole, her whole life. So, um, yeah, so here we are, two 18-year-old kids kind of just openly, willingly embracing just winging it, w- whatever's gonna come at us, you know. Um, my mum and dad were super against it. Um, my decision was all about okay. So I really thought about it. Like I think when I think now at thirty six, my thought process, like it makes me proud because you're old enough to probably know, but like remember Johnny De Stefano. Mm. So you know, Johnny was racing at the time and was kind Man, of like Kemble Warrior. Yeah. So Johnny was, you know, kind of at that point where he was getting hurt a lot and, you know, he, he was a guy that like had a work ethic, you know, crazy, like loved working out, training, all those kinds of things. But unfortunately he was he was on the smaller side. So, you know, transitioning from one twenty five to two fifty didn't necessarily go well. Um anyway, long story short, I was considering um asking Johnny to go with me. Um, and he would be able to help me training and, you know, Mm. basically do all the things that I couldn't do, or at least I didn't know all the things about. Um, I had a high school friend, high school dropout, you know, he was good at football. Um, one of my, still one of my closest friends. Um, I considered taking him and I was just like, dude, like here I am, I'm going to be on the other side of the world. I'm 18 years old. I'm gonna be homesick as shit. Do I want to be hanging out with dudes? Mm. (laughs) You know, or... And, and I'm 18 with, years with old. With that comes partying and... The partying, which I never was into. Getting bitches. Going and, and getting chicks. Yeah. You know, all those things. And I... Like, when I think about it, like, I made a very grown-up advance mm-hmm. beyond my 18 years of on on life. Um, and I just said, I, I really think that the big picture, I want to take Ellie. You know, like, I... You know, at that point, we we spent a lot of time together, we didn't live together, I lived at home, she lived at home, we obviously, she'd be either, spent, you know, staying over my place, or I'd stay over there, um, and then I kind of was just like, no, I, I this is what I want to do, I want to take Ellie, so, yeah, I told mum and dad, and, and that didn't go well.
0: When you were in Europe, were you in there? Like, were you and Sharky in Europe at the same time?
1: Yeah. So me and Sharky both. Um, so me, Sharky, and 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 uh, Burner. Okay. All left. Um, all left Australia at the same time. Fuck, that would have been fun. So uh, so obviously Burner went to to the U.S. Um, and did the Amiga. What was that? The Edge, I think the team was called or something like that. Um, and then. It's kind of a funny story. So, so obviously, what was it? The the MXGP in in Bradford in two thousand. Um, Burner and in and Andrew, oh, or that. should I say, Andrew and Burner were the, you know, the 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 big performers. Yeah. I think they went three and fourth or something like that. Maybe Andrew got third overall at the five hundred race. Um, I I forgot about that race, dude. I remember what I got? Maybe I got like an eighth or a ninth, and then like. A Fifteenth or something Did like that. Did you race the five hundred as well? I raced a, uh, I raced a four twenty six. Really? Yeah, yeah. So no I was way. On, I was on Yamaha, so I raced that a four twenty six. Sick. And I, you had to, back then, you had to be, I think you had to be eighteen to race it. And I think I only, I just made the cutoff. Like I, I, like I maybe my birthday was like a week or two before, um the the GP. So I really, only, yeah. So I only was just old enough to actually race it. So anyway. I didn't perform, you know, nearly as good as what they did. Um, those guys ripped starts and, and crushed it. And, and so, so Kawasaki obviously, and Andrew was on Kawasaki and Oz. So Andrew, you know, naturally was getting offered, um, mm, the, Yanda Groot, the and stuff, yeah. yeah, like the Kawasaki ride. And then, uh, he didn't take it. He took the Yamaha ride, um, to stay in 500. And then, um, I believe Burner also turned down the Kawasaki ride, went to the U.S. So then Yanda group called me as pretty much like the last hope of like... You're like the third string quarterback. Like, yeah, You're like, Jimmy
0: Gruffalo, bro. I'm like the third string <laughs> quarterback and they're like,
1: Shit. okay, here's your ride. He... I don't even remember how he reached out to me, whether it was by phone or... It wasn't a DM, or eh? It was no DM. It was... So it was back when, you know, like I had no email no, you know, smartphone or anything like that. So it was all about um, a fax. So everything was done over fax. Really? So, you know, basically, I, I believe that there was a phone call and, hey, I'm Jan de Groot. I run Factory Kawasaki. <laughs> Hello,
0: Chad, is um, this you?
1: And at that point, I hear Factory Kawasaki. I have no fucking clue who Jan de Groot is. <laughs> I have no clue about Europe in general because I was so... America, Curry Curry. Yeah. You know well, America, from Curry, Curry. but yeah, but I was Curry Curry, but I was Jeremy McGrath, yeah, in yeah, yeah. American Supercross. Uh. So like, yeah, I knew Stefan Evans, Monique Bavortz, and you know Ronaldo Yamaha, but like, I wasn't, I didn't follow it close enough to mm. know Yonder Group ran, you know, and was essentially a key component to sebastian d'ortelli's career to stefan evitz's career to you know all these other people and so all i heard was factory kawasaki contract and i'm like yep perfect let's do it and i'm out and i'm out (laughs) and they he faxes through a contract and from you know top to bottom i think it maybe it was a two-pager at that point now they're 22 pages I was going to say shit
0: that's barely a waiver to ride at, drive a driving go-kart
1: yeah now. so literally it's a basically what is it currently a waiver in it was xyz all i read was it was an 80,000 US sign on which i was like fuck yeah sign me <laughs> up and it was 20,000 uh 20,000 dutch whatever it used to be francs or something dutch yeah. francs or something like that um first for food money i'm like Bro, I'm getting food money. Sign me up, oh, huh. and then and it was a vehicle too. They would give me a motorhome and a um and a van. So I'm like perfect. All I, get, I, I all I got to do is pay for you know rent, you know some. I got food money, and I'm literally thinking that an eighty thousand dollars contract at that point is a million dollar what felt like a million dollars to me, you know, because like you go from a twenty five thousand dollars a year to. 80 us which is what 120 or something like that at the point at back in those days so mm. yeah it was but it was never about the money it was really just like all i hope was factor kawasaki well and you I'm probably like, couldn't have even like like
0: speaking of the money Like you couldn't have even really known what eighty thousand dollars was like capable of doing. Like you would, yeah. I mean, I didn't. You would have not even known how to spend eighty thousand dollars. Or how far eighty
1: thousand dollars would even go. You never. I didn't even. You didn't know at that point. It just seemed so surreal. You Mm. know, like it really did. Like at that point, you felt like, like how can you fuck up life when you got eighty thousand (laughs) dollars? Like literally, you know. Like it's so funny that that I think about it and it just. Yeah, it's amazing. Like it wouldn't even be a down payment for a house. But yet,
0: do you remember? Like, do you remember at your peak money, and you don't have to say numbers, but like, was there ever a moment where you were just like, "What the fuck"?
1: No, because or is it because it's a slow build to get there? I would say, in a sad way, you're you're so caught up in that moment. And, you know, you're so influenced from people around you, no matter what the number was, whether somebody offered you three million, you know, or four million, you still wanted five or you wanted six, Mm. you know, or you heard that James got this or Ricky got that. So you just kind of like, you just, yeah, like for me, it wasn't ever like I never in, 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 in a sad, good way, maybe, but. I never really, I never cared about money, like it wasn't like I cared, it was more getting what you're worth and and being okay with that, but as far as like the the actual number, that number never meant anything to me, like it wasn't like I was like, I never, and I think about it now and it's like maybe it would have been nice to embrace and go, wow, like I'm really thankful for this, but you I didn't you never stopped to think about being thankful because you expected it it was what the other two were getting so it was like sweet all right, good. I was appreciative, massively appreciative, but like just I never took that moment of wow, that's really cool like who thought you know from a kid that grew up in Karikari would be signing you know a deal like this mm. that. That never happened because that wasn't real to me because all I had in mind was win win, 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 win. and mm-hmm. it was either win and literally it's that you're either first or last feeling and that that was I think the shitty part of Ricky James myself error um, is that we were so th- just cutthroat. Win or lose. That was it. There Man, was nothing I remember in
0: between. like Dude, I remember... I, I actually remember being a kid and seeing, like, photos of you in second and looking like you wanted to fucking kill somebody.
1: <laughs> and, it was, and, and that was my, real. Yeah, and in my
0: head, I was like, damn, I would love to get second just, like, one time. Just give me one second at, yeah. like, at a club day. You know what I mean? And, like, I never, ever, ever understood until, like, nowadays. And because it's it's not just you, like it's this machine that you're caught in and it's all these people that you're around and it's like you know the momentum from one weekend to the next and then the championship. It's like it's so much more than just like that 20 laps, okay, I got second, bummer. It's like it's everything, eh? Like it it consumes you. And I remember when Mossy got the podium for JDR. Mm -hmm. Bro, me and Jay, we fucking sprinted. (laughs) We sprinted from our seats down and my heart was racing a million fucking miles an hour, man. I was shaking. I was so happy. And I was happy for him. I was happy for Jay. I was happy for myself. I was happy for Nate Dog. I was happy for every fucking mechanic. I was I was so, so happy for all of these people. And it and I think maybe that was one of the first moments where I really got like some legitimate uh, insight into what it must have been like for guys like you to yeah.
1: have and I everything think everything riding on it. And what's so awesome about like that experience is is that's a team of people that have all essentially worked hard, built a team in and, and gotten maybe not the ultimate prize, but a massive prize. in, and, in, the, and, in the context, and you're, of and it, you're yeah. generally are happy for achieving that. And I was also happy with achieving those first wins and podiums and whatnot or fourths in the 250 class in, in my 125, you know, the first year. But it quickly just – it, it quickly overcomes you and you just become so competitive. Mm. That, and, and, and I guess that was probably the downside to racing Ricky – is that that's how Ricky was, you know, like think about, you know, Ricky probably put on a, um, in the early days, not so much, but when you see Ricky lose in the early days, he he became, he learned, he he learned to be politically correct in losing. But in the early days, he generally fucking hated it, you know, (laughs) and hated it every time after that but but he he learned to put a poker face on. but he definitely learned to put on a poker face and i could pretty much word for word tell you what he would say if he lost because that was his go-to words to cover it up you know Mm -hmm. um and i applaud him for learning that at it earlier than i was able to um but it just you dude you just worked your ass off and everybody around you and it was like there was you were there was first to last that was the feeling and and it and it was it was so gnarly but so awesome all at the same time you know like there's parts of me that it makes me sad that you never embraced it but it, I think that that's who you truly were and probably why I still am here today is because mm. I generally loved working hard trying to win the winning feeling, and, and and though I haven't had the winning feel in a while, it still runs super super deep within myself. And you, you know, like you you want to put that puzzle back together. And and each, you know, each performance at that podium level from here on out would, I feel like, be embraced more. You know, yeah, you like,
0: could you could see that with two two. I reckon like there was like a it was like a win. And but it was like a different win. It seemed like the emotion was different. It was more there. It seemed like more more gratitude, less expected. You know what I mean? Like because I feel like there's a point where, like let's say Yamaha, oh four Yamaha, you get that win, you just straight expect that win.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. There's all no. The, I mean, all the way through, even even two two days. It just seemed like it had a different I, vibe. I feel like that's becoming that's more becoming of age, mm. you know like that's more thirty plus couple of kids you know and 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 evolving quickly as a as a father, as somebody who is taking on life differently um, because it my go-to is still there, very you know like this weekend. I don't come to Australia and expect to lose or expect to have the performance that I had. I, I really struggled this past weekend with, with the track and being able to get the most out of myself. Um, when I had the starter, I was leading. It was a track that allowed me to, you know, control the race and, 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 and and ride well, but when I was behind, it was it was such a gnarly difficult situation that you really couldn't do anything. The track mm. didn't allow separation or that one two five percent whatever that number is that you tried to push to catch somebody. It did. It wasn't like it wasn't like normal. Where yeah, it seemed
0: like if you pushed to go forward, you'd actually go
1: backwards. Correct. And and so I struggled all weekend um, trying to find how do you. You know, get the most out of the bike and the track and the tires and, and just because it was so difficult. So I was disappointed and I, that was, you know, and I think that when I come here, I have a lot of pressure on myself to put on a good show, mm. um, make fans happy. Um, and, and so when you come and probably for the first time in a long time, or even possibly ever, I fell short massively short of what I was normally able to do, so it felt like a failure. You failed massively failed this weekend, you know. Mm. But you know, you have to quickly realize that the conditions for one, um, and the fact that at thirty six years old, at thirty six years old, you're not necessarily should be expected to win. Although mm-hmm. I do. I still do, and that's probably why I'm here too, you know? But yeah, I think that you you quickly have to realize, and then instead of it being a week of being pissed off until you get to go racing on the next weekend, it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes, mm. or you know, depending on it. Like I already, from taking my helmet and goggles off to getting out of my gear and doing interviews with the media, I'd already come out of it and realized it's okay. It's all good, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Because um, that's what I was going to say, man. Like, yeah. like,
0: we were there, me and my girlfriend watching the stands, and, like, I was pumped. I was fucking stoked I got to see you ride. You look good. Like, And it's like, I don't want to say people don't care, but people don't care that you lost. Mm-hmm. People care that you came. Yeah. And you showed up, and you did the fan thing, and you were like, it. Chad Reed was still here. And, like, and even, you know, if this JGR thing doesn't work out and you're not racing next year, like, I got to see Chad Reed do his last race yeah. uh, in Sydney, which I'm sure you'll be back next year. I'm sure
1: I'll be back. You'll, you'll be back, but you and, know what and I'm and we'll saying. We'll figure you know? it out. But there is that sense of feeling that that could be the last one. Mm. Um, is that why you took the Joker Lane in the second in the last race? I wish it was. Unfortunately, what did you do, man? I uh, just spaced out. Uh, no, nah, truthfully, and and I and I take full responsibility. I never went to a writer's meeting. They had me uh, working. So you thought you could do it every every race? I I never knew that you couldn't do it every race. Uh, makes um, sense. So yeah, I mean, for good or bad, I didn't I didn't know any different. Um, all I knew is I, I I'm not a fan of the triple crown thing anyway, or whatever we call it, triple Fort Moto format. Mm. I hate it. I'd rather go 20 laps and grind it out and have to let the best man win kind of thing. Mm. But, you know, like the world we live in, everyone's trying to create a show. Tension spans. Yeah, exactly. So um, I get that. So I just thought we were adopting Monster Cup way Mm. of doing it. I mean, that's (laughs) true. You just didn't show up. I didn't. That's so
0: good. That's actually better. That's like the best case fucking thing that you could have said.
1: I think it's, it's... you know, like I'm, I'm disappointed that I, that I assumed and I didn't even ask. <laughs> but then it's like, I also, dude, I worked my damn ass off and I did my job on signing ridiculous amount of autographs mm. and, and meeting with the media and doing all these things and and for whatever reason, I never made it to a um to the writers' meeting and I know that those things I don't know if they are here, but generally. You know, generally you only have one of those, you know, and it's kind of close. Like basically you do that in the U.S. and then you go get ready and ride. Mm. Where here it was hours away from riding. So, yeah, like my schedule and and where they had me and what I had me doing didn't allow me to just be there, I guess.
0: Yeah, because even we did like the live podcast um, with... Like everybody and I was texting uh, the boys and I was like, "Is Chad going to come on?" And they're like, "Nah, like it's too, yeah, like it's, it's too busy," you know, like because yeah, yeah, you yeah. just had so much stuff going on. Yeah. And like, and I get it. I, I mean, I'm being the guy that pulls people away, and like, it's it's a lot harder than than people do think. So I mean, I can definitely see how yeah, you just didn't so that,
1: go. So that was it. That was
0: truthfully the that's fucking epic. The, I actually the, like that the more an, than the any answer. Other. What
1: and so. Everyone kind of talks about it and I think it's funny and I would love to see video because I don't know. I don't believe that I passed anyone or did anything good when I did it in the second one. No, you come right out next to Jason, didn't you? No, that was the last one. Was that the one before? No, like so the, the last one when I passed Jason, I had already taken it in the second one. So the first one I crashed and I had, there was like, you know, so when so did it, you
0: crash? I didn't even. I don't even remember that.
1: I crashed coming out of the last turn before the finish. I was in third. In the oh first one. yeah, you slid. I lost the, yeah, 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 I lost yeah, the. Win. Yeah. So let me back up. So in America, you're so wired. I mean, you know, so Dungey and and RV have both missed the joke, the joke lane, yeah. lane, and yeah, and, you just and, get and the the essentially lost an opportunity to win bucks, the million bucks, or even the hundred grand. <laughs> so. So, with that said, in America, it's longer. So, you have to take it because if you don't take it, you're you're essentially cutting the course. Yeah. Um, Or you're, you know, you're, you're whatever. So, here, it's actually a shortcut. So, not taking it is you're penalizing yourself. Yeah. So, here, it's not a big stress of, like, got to take it, got to take it. But you still have that thought process from only two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, of racing Monster Cup. Yeah. And so... The second one, I would really love to know w- whether I actually passed somebody or if I just took it because I thought, oh, I don't want to do the whoops this lap," and I'll yeah. just I'll just take the Joker lane, which I think is more the case—the Shannon shortcut. Shannon's, yeah, right. The shout, Shannon give, shortcut. get give him a shout get out. him a shout out. <laughs> there <laughs> go people for sure. <laughs> so then, anyway, it, I didn't think much of it, and then you know, like I was trying to itch up on on Dino and. And uh, kind of got close to Dino to a point where I thought I can make a pass on both of these guys. Um, went for it, and then <laughs> and it's funny because like you know Jason's thought process, and my thought process is so different in the fact that I'm thinking the whole time, damn it, Jason's sitting right on me. He's just waiting to the last lap, and he's just uh. gonna take he's just gonna take the Shannon shortcut. And, you know, he's going to, I'm not going to build it. Like when he's right behind me, he's going to pass me easy. Yeah. Um, and then, so my concern was solely on, okay, keep nailing lap down, lap after lap after lap. Try to put enough time between me and Dino. And when Dino takes it on the last lap. It won't be enough. It won't be enough and I'll still finish second. <laughs> and then I come around and, you know, you come quickly out of the, out of the tunnel, and I seen Kevin with a sign that I've seen before, but I didn't, I couldn't read it because you're, you know, like you're looking through him and going through the whoops, which are sketchy as hell. Yeah, so that gnarly. You're kind of like, you know, you're 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 looking away from him. Anyway, I actually generally thought that Jason must have. Uh, Jumped or Dino must have jumped on a yellow flag because we had a situation. I think Clout was down. Oh, he's and so we dude. Yeah. Did so did you hear what happened to that guy? No, either? I don't. Man, I actually want to know. He he looked bad. Oof. Yeah, he smoked but him. Anyway, I just thought, okay, you know, those guys must have done something wrong. <laughs> it was like, and it was me, me that I took the Joker lane, uh obviously once too many times, and and I just was completely. Um, Blindsided by it, to be honest, but it is what it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, like what do you do? You know, like the big picture is—is is you, you you lit the candles, bro? You, you lit the candles. <laughs> I, I, I tr- you know, like helmet off. I felt like I worked my ass off, and I got to meet a lot of amazing people and put smiles on you know kids and adults' faces. And I can honestly say that this year my line was different. Like I've always had a big line, yeah. You know, where, wherever I go, but here it was there was there was a different feeling and i probably took that on a little bit too much and it it was that feeling like like too much you probably had like, a bit
0: too much like nostalgic kind of feeling like
1: i like i i i'm always motivated and i i love the pressure but the pressure to perform and win in a situation where there wasn't a separation like normal i couldn't rise to you know, a, a level that was better than everybody on that particular racetrack. We were all just, whoever got the start was going to win basically. And that was frustrating. And, and it was, you know, like, cause you'd always been able to like, sometimes you're just in that mood and you're just like, mm. you know, and I felt like I was inches off of whole shots and just, you know, like the last one I was like, I pretty much had it in next minute, you was know, that when you went really and, tight? And ridden? And, oh. Reardon rid got just in the inside of me and controlled me on the inside and it was just like oh you know, like you're so mad. And but my starts I felt were really good, but I think that essentially when you qualify fourth, I had you know, I was on the outside of Brayton, um and I just didn't have ideal gate gate positions. So <laughs> it is what it is but yeah i think that my line it never moved like it was insane you know yeah. like like my two actually my three autograph i had three one-hour sessions um and then i had other like meet and greets and stuff but like i had three full one-hour signings at the boost mobile um yeah they had like boost, that six setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it was like Dude, tr- you, try to, come t- up you to try to take it on and you try to embrace it mm. and it's like you kind of like you try not to just be you know here you try to be more out and just be thankful kind of thing Yeah. and like I'm watching the line and like it generally doesn't feel like it's moving and I'm just like wow it's like it was wrapped around the whole pit area and it was just like you maybe like I I don't know I was more aware of it than normal Yeah. and so I felt you just wanted to you wanted to make them people happy, you know, yeah. like you wanted to sign their thing. You wanted to high five their kids. And, and it was, it was tough. It was tough not to, yeah, you can't, you know, you can't sign everybody. You can't meet everybody, yeah. unfortunately, but you, you generally want to put on a good show. And I felt that I did a good show, but just not the ultimate end result that I wasn't looking for.
0: Yeah. And that that's the thing. Like, I mean, I left there as a Chad Reed fan going like, fuck, it was rad. I got to see him and you know, I'll be in New Zealand. Yep. So I get to sort of, Watch again, but like the general consensus, I think is that like it's just this appreciation of of people being there, Mm -hmm. and it's like you know I don't know it is all about winning, and maybe it's like I don't know maybe it's a loser's attitude to be like oh it's not all about winning, but it's like the kid's not gonna remember you win, and the kid is gonna remember the high five, and Mm -hmm. the kid's gonna remember the. The hey buddy, what's your favorite? What's your favorite bike? And what bike are you got? And then they're gonna put the poster on the wall. It's like that's the shit that lives on in these kids' uh, minds, and it's you know not necessarily the race win, but it's hard to balance that with like the reason that you got to the level that there's a kid that wants your autograph is because you were so damn competitive.
1: Yeah, no, and it's you know as the years go on, you you just. you just notice it you embrace it you appreciate it and it it's just different yeah and and i think that uh you know like i think that adm- you know you have to kind of see what you do good and what you don't do good and i think from experiences you have to learn from that um and probably out of the whole weekend my wife was so pissed off at me and uh and I'll, I'll i'll touch on it just because it, it took me and it kind of like put me in a situation where I was like I get it you know but I came into the weekend and I was fired up still from not being on the donations team I wanted to talk about that I'm glad you reminded me and and I felt like kid Chad and I wanted to come and prove, and I wanted to win and I wanted to crush it and I just I'm not that person anymore you know like I don't like it's not about being bitter or anything like that, and I felt like there was a part of me that was bitter, and I wanted to yeah do that do the Aussie yeah that old yeah I wanted to get do a want, jab. Do you want to know my and take on it, or do you finish, sorry finish that? So so when I won when we won the Australia versus USA thing, which let's admit that that in general was supposed to be a fun yeah, race, yeah. and it quickly turned to a insanely serious a very serious race when you know it was supposed to be Anderson Brayton and Ronnie Mac versus myself Maddie and Rito you know and, and so basically there was a it was scripted you know really you know like I was going to go last those guys probably would have had the lead like they did um, and I would have to chase down Ronnie Mac and likely be able to catch him pass him on the last lap, but when they threw in Wilson, I'm You're like, like hey, hey, he's whoa, not even fucking American. You know, and you have what? There's three other Americans that at, you could have that you could have picked. Like, and fuck so, all this We're, we're so throwing down. It, it, with the click of a finger, shit got real. And like me and Rito and Medi, kind of like you know, like we all got serious. Hey, boys, boys. One, two, three. <laughs> so then we started like strategizing and thinking about it more seriously, and then uh, anyway, it was pretty funny because, uh, and I, I I say that this would be an equal um, but much less penalizing situation. So Kevin came by and told us all how the it was going to work. Well, Anderson clearly didn't hear the rules because uh, you had to. um, Kevin had the flags, and so when when we were lined up, and when the relay was, like the second guy was to go, you had to go off of Kevin, not off of where your guy Mm. was. So anyway. Who went first? Oh, that's so, how it was supposed to be, because so, I didn't So, Dino, get it. so, so basically, um, Jason is sitting on the line and is watching Dino. Dino gets to the up ramp, takes the checkered flag. Uh, Jason just pins it. I wondered what the deal and, was. And so, Jason's halfway down the start straight away, and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like, we're all pissed off because we're getting beat, and they've got a ring-in guy who's not even American. <laughs> and so, you know, instead of him getting a penalty or whatever... Um, Kevin runs over to me and Brayton and just says, "Hey, to make it even, go at um, the same time." You know, as soon as I drop the flag, both of you go at the same time. Yeah. Um, I've so essentially, what the deal was there. essentially everybody knows about my mistake down the Shannon straight, you know, shortcut. But Anderson made one. Ando, we're blasting Ando. But anyway, uh, we won, and for me, I I I think. You know, I guess that this is growing up. But like, I took that point instead of just being happy and thanking people or whatever. Like, it was like I took my soapbox a little bit and I yeah took a little, uh, yeah I'm I took be- a, I took a little jab yeah. at the donations, you know, thing whatever. And it's in good Aussie humor, but not everybody gets that. Yeah, either yeah. people love it or hate it. They're either gonna laugh or be pissed off. There's no in between. My wife not happy. That you said it. Don't worry about the results we didn't talk from stadium to hotel because she you like because you said the donation thing off yeah really? she was just like not happy grow up dickhead yeah <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. so anyway long story short should i have said it probably not but it wasn't in, in my mind it was in good humor and good fun but it didn't come across that way, clearly. My wife didn't think.
0: <laughs> can I tell you, I've, I actually wanted to, to give yeah, my... Yeah, we can touch on I, the because
1: I, I would like to give my opinion. For so sure.
0: my opinion and the the caveat to start this is I really wish Chad Reed raced Motocross <laughs> the Nations. That's, so that's my caveat, right? Yeah. And I heard the behind the scenes thing that you kind of put your name forward and then they just said, no, we're good, basically. Like that's what i heard happened so you did go and you said hey i'd like to do this i'll get ready to do the muddy creek thing and then they they still went with the team that was you not on it
1: what was that correct Am no that's not correct so so the way so why i was so mad or why i was so disappointed <laughs> i'm not mad i'm just disappointed i would say i would use the <laughs> word disappointed worse. i was i was disappointed because i went to the top i went straight to, uh, what's his name, Peter um, Doyle. The MA dude, yeah. He's the CEO of Motorcycling Australia. There's nobody above him at this point. And so I go to him, I know him well. Um, I call him and I say, that I want to do donations. I'm, I'm working out, I'm in shape, things are looking good to be on a factory bike. Because at that point, I couldn't confirm whether I was going to be on a factory mm. Suzuki or a factory Honda. Um, those conversations were happening behind closed doors and, and you can't just go, and that can't shit go say yeah, that to yeah, anyone. And I can't go say that to anyone.
0: Although you gave him a good
1: indication. Although the C- you know although he is the CEO of um, Motorcycling Australia. He's you know I don't know if you know Peter but Not Peter really. was you know so Peter has a background. He used to be Matt Maleddin's crew chief, through oh, all yeah. Matt Maleddins That's pretty cool. So the guy's he's, he's, I mean, he's a badass dude. He knows the ins and outs of sport. Um, our sport, should I say. Anyway, long story short, I asked to be on a team last year, and basically nobody got back to me, and they announced the team on social media before I even was hurt, told no. So I was already pissed off from last year. So then this year I I said, "You know what? I'm gonna I want to be on the team. Doesn't matter how mad I am. I want to be on the team. It's I want it to be my last because I am at a point in my life where like I don't want to be like I don't I don't want to do motocross anymore, you know? Like so I was I was I was in shape, I was training, riding, motivated. It was at a track I know very well. 2 hour flight, you know. It it all made sense. Yeah they don't have the AIS involved as much as they used to, so the budgeting is much, much more difficult. So bringing me... People
0: from Australia to America is harder than you at JDR. Yeah,
1: exactly. So all things considering it makes a lot of sense to have me on it. And so my conversation with Peter was, I want this to be my last. I feel like I've represented the country well, better than anybody in my sport, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Mm. Um, and I, I believe that I, I am willing to do the effort and put my best foot forward. And I, and I, I think I'm deserving of that position, and because of the fact that I was willing to work hard, not just because I wanted to come off the couch. And, mm. and yeah, you were and taking and it. Serious. I took it very serious. You know, like it was, me, it was me. Knowing what was happening behind closed doors and and what I was doing uh, during the day. So anyway, the conversation was Hunter and myself, and was it going to be basically? It was only ever between was it going to be Medi or Evans, and so at no point was Ferris I said he was out. Ferris from the beginning was out. Yeah, and probably Ferris announcing f- so early on that he was out that allowed me. To go okay i'll be the captain of the team sort of thing the team isn't gonna be the best australian team anyway yeah yeah yep, you're yep. having in my opinion australia is having an australian supercross round on the same weekend so you shouldn't even really be getting your good australian riders to donations because in 2018 Nobody should be on a motocross-only contract in Australia, in my opinion. Mm. So, at that point, it makes all sense to have Hunter on the team. I think I could be, you know, equally as good. And metty at that point, didn't... Actually, I don't think he was contracted to do Supercross. I think he only had motocross oh, yeah. or something like that. So, anyway,
0: I so was... So, it lining up.
1: It was all pretty much promised and... and at no point did I think that I wasn't on a team. I mean... Right, I, so they had... You were
0: fully assuming that you
1: were on the team. Correct.
0: And All I'm talking so from CEO detail.
1: to Mark Luxich, big part of the team. My first time in a team in 90... What was that? 2000, maybe? Um, you know, Mark's been a part of it from then. Gary Ben, I talked to Berner. Um, everyone generally... I was on the team. It mm. was going to be me, Hunter, and whether it was going to be Medi yeah. or 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 Evan. Yeah. So when I, yeah, and then the funny thing is, is they called me, which happened to be at midnight, and I was driving home after a after a test at JGR, and I had a Suzuki in the back, factory Suzuki in the back, driving back to Florida um, after a really successful test, and and basically. You know, and that wasn't. It was public knowledge that I, because I posted it, that that I was testing. But no one knew that I was going to race a national and potentially get ready for donations. And that's what the whole thought process was. Was, Yeah, was. So when they call me and tell me, um, "Hey, you know, you didn't make the team," and I'm like,
0: "Fuck, I was on the team. I was on the team." Yeah,
1: because I and that was I made that very clear to to everybody. Like, I'm not calling to put my name in the hat, you know, because that's, and I think that that is what, really, where it all goes wrong. A team should never be voted on. You should just have the best three dudes there is. Mm. I don't give a shit where they're racing, what bike they're on, just pick the three best guys. That's easy, you know? That's how it's always been. Take the subjectivity out of it. Yeah. Like, now they have all this stuff, and I, they've always had it, but but basically, politics are k- taking over, I think, you mm. know? Um Never, what have I represented eight, nine, ten times, whatever it is? Um, in our only podium. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, in all those times, I've never nominated myself. Like, cause, yeah. Because okay. cause technically, you're supposed to nominate and go, oh, yeah, put my hand up, throw my name. What, in my what hat. are they saying, Hunger Games? It's like the dumbest. A volunteer's tribute. <laughs> yeah, it's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So it's funny that I've never done it, yet I've made a lot of teams. Yeah. And then then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, well, you didn't put your name in the hat. That they didn't use that this year. That was last year's one. But and I'm like, I've never put my name in the hat, you know. And you've, you know, for the last 16 years, I've probably picked more teams than I have anything else, you know. Yeah. So it just, that's what really, really bummed me out is that everybody was on in on the same page I thought you know like everyone generally was and it was like a blindside. yeah totally blindsided here's what I think you should have done
0: and I guaranteed that I guarantee it would have been different no one knew that like this was all very behind closed doors and then when you made that post post announcement of the team it was like it come across to everyone like sour grapes on your end mm-hmm and that's where I was like, because like I said, I wanted Chad Reed on that team for this year. And like, I don't give a fuck if you are fat and like, <laughs> and dog shit.
1: Yeah. But if and you, see, but, I do.
0: But no, but in terms yeah, of like, for yeah. me, I'm saying like, if, if he wants to be on that team, that's his team. That's Chad's house. Let's just let Chad have Chad's house. Fair enough, and there's there's multiple sides of the argument which I I understand, but there's this thing where it's like, hey, Chad might not race next year. This could be a send off. It's at Red Bud. Like, we we need to give him this champion's send off. This Australian fuck yeah, this is Chad's last last thing. Like, he deserves that. And and whether you're a Chad Reed fan or you're not a Chad Reid fan, I think that everyone could agree that's fair. The the problem I think. And it's hindsight, obviously, but if you come out in like when all this shit started happening and you were like, hey, guys, I'm putting in my name in the hat for donations, like fucking tag MA or you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if there was some kind of like public knowledge before it all happened, because like even, you know, like I grew up with Mitch and I like I didn't even hear all this stuff from them. So it's like all of this information isn't uh, privy to, to the general public yeah. And I I, When I saw it go down And I talked to Kerry about it And I Like I was generally bummed I was like man This fucking sucks Like this is now a shit situation Because it's Kerry heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah And because it was like Actually it was right when
1: he, we he started fueling the know, fire I know yeah Well sure. it was
0: right when we did the podcast together yeah, yeah, yeah. That we were That, yeah. that it all yeah. went down
1: So the only thing I was disappointed on
0: I just I, My point I guess is I just wish If it was public knowledge At the start and then i think that there's no way ma could have could have done that in my in my eyes if you posted this is going to be my last motocross of nations i'm so excited to if i get the opportunity the public support
1: that would have flooded in see but i kind of did a lot of pre like uh, like pre announcement and 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 probably over the month so i was i was in communication for at least 4 to 5 weeks with those guys before before they announced it and they were trying to figure out like what they were gonna do and and they and I respected that it sucks because you know like I definitely want to say more my opinion but I'll take no, the high, I'll take saying. the high road but I think that they generally were you know like I had a very tough motor, I mean supercross and so I think everybody was, unsure of where I was at physically, mentally, all those things.
0: But I feel like you've done enough to where like if Chad Reed says, I'm gonna be at this race, like you'll be at this race. But
1: yeah, but when you when you have somebody that's the manager of the team that is that thinks like a competitor Mm. that doesn't and wasn't ever able to reach that that highest level and, and continue at that level through his thirties. The reality to him is it, it drops off it and you can't do it. And, and so I think, so I think in respect to that, he doesn't believe that, that I can come back and be mm. who I want to be or who I think I can be. And that's totally okay because that's his opinion and that's his own way of how he's experienced it. And I'm a, a totally okay with that. But I think that when you talk to somebody at the highest level of the CEO and, and you explain, and, and there's multiple conversations, like I'm talking, where pre, you know, Doyle, you know, like I'm going in massive detail here, but like Doily runs, you know, the Hall of Fame here in Australia, and mm. there's Hall of Fame talks, and there's, you know, inductee things, and yeah, po- yeah. post racing. I mean, there's so much to this and yet when it when all was said and done i was i was i was blindsided because nobody you know like i felt that i i laid out my what i what i wanted to bring to the table like i wanted to work my ass off i promised them that i would be on a factory bike because i was working hard on the suzuki deal and i had a i i had a promise from honda in uh, europe that they would supply me a factory bike uh, so i'm like either
0: way we're good either
1: way we're i'm gonna be on a factory bike because they were like okay well what equipment are you gonna have i'm like i'll have a factory bike well what i'm like doesn't
0: it matter yeah i like,
1: can't tell you you yeah. know like that's not the detail that especially somebody it's who, not a gas gas you know <laughs> <laughs> who is essentially a manager of a competing team and blah 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 so it's like you're kind of holding your cards close to you yeah, as well yeah yeah um and so, I felt like all the conversations and all the things needed to be said were said. Um, my goal was always to contribute in the years that come, you know. Yeah. And it's sad. It makes me sad that I'm, I'm pissed off and I wouldn't support Team Australia at this point. Like. And that—that to me is that America needs a replacement. Yeah, for Roger Acosta. I wouldn't mind doing that job. That'd break my fucking heart, Chad. And and I don't know that I have that thought. Think of process. the children, Chad. Think of the children. You know, America's <laughs> been good to me, so. <laughs> but I'm, I'm I'm aware of where I'm from. You're a real motherfucker I'm like that. Proud you know? <laughs> of where I'm come from, but that was wrong, in yeah. my opinion. They oh, I agree they as well. they massively did me wrong, and and probably. The only thing that I was disappointed, it was never an attack or a, or a disagreement on the team that went. The riders, yeah. Like, I couldn't be necessarily happy for them because I was so mad at the organization. Yeah. But I was happy. I mean, dude, Hunter crushed it. Yeah. You know, um, Mitch. That I, kid's a fucking animal. Mitch was gnarly. You mm-hmm. know, like I think um, he's a he's a guy that. And I don't know. Actually, truthfully, like I don't know these kids either. And yeah. I would I would have loved That's that. That's what the shame for me. For me it would have been that perfect handoff yep. of like I obviously Hunter's been around for a while, you know, a few years now. And we've brushed shoulders but never really said hi and hey, I'm Chad, I'm Hunter. And like and, and a
0: guy like Hunter and Mitch and like I grew up with Mitch like mm-hmm. around the around the corner. And they're like, we're the fucking Chad Reed generation, man. And it's like, and it sucks that, like, Mitch didn't get to experience that being on Chad Reed with Team Australia. Hunter didn't get to experience being on
1: and, Team Australia. And maybe with Chad, they you know? don't care about that. Oh, <laughs> no, they
0: would for sure. Yeah, bro. maybe like they a, hundred, a million percent, man. But a million
1: I ha- percent. I'm I'm a fan of racing and I'm a fan of the next generation, you know. And it would have been a, a real honor, in my opinion, to go and do my last one. There's always, it's so easy to look at hindsight. But it, it frustrated me when, when people were worried about how in shape I was and how ready I was. But yet, they chose a rider that had been injured for months yeah, yeah. and hadn't raced in months. And yet, that confused me. Like, you can't say one thing and do yeah, another. Yeah. Because, and this is at no point an attack on, on Kurt at all. I think Kurt's a badass dude, but Kurt was the m- massive weak link. Yeah. Like, those guys threw away a podium and easy. An easy podium, not a that podium. We could have won, bro. Like we they were winning. literally had a shot at winning. And unfortunately, I have been on so many damn motor cross the nations teams that have had a chance. Who have a chance and only one time have we reached the podium. And I think that new management, new way of looking at it needs to be implemented. Because if you look at the results over the last twenty years. They're all really similar, and we need to approach it differently. I think, in my opinion, oh, couldn't you agree know? more. So that that's what made it that's what made it a bummer for me because the guys, the guys did a killer job. Um, the the few comments that I seen, it definitely sounded like Kurt, you know, was feeling the the, the, the pressure, effects of. Yeah the effects of just not racing and it's like it i can tell you for somebody who doesn't race during nationals and coming out um and that was why i was you know they're like well you have to race a national i'm like well i'm not just gonna go race a national to prove to you that i can do it because it has to make sense yeah because i know what it takes at this level better than anyone better than anyone at least i in my opinion but you you it all has to be, it has to make sense. You you know, it, it's training, it's riding, it's getting the right bike and, and the and the preparation. You don't just show up off the couch and be successful. That's yeah. like, at an, at an AMA national, that's 100 degrees and humid, you don't come off the couch and it be okay. So I was like working hard, working hard, and it was all working towards, and it was like, I wasn't going to do the last national. And then I'm like, no, I'm feeling okay yeah I could do this I think I can suffer for 20 minutes and the last 10 is gonna be a torture yeah Um. but as it worked out I was actually not bad like I was actually in better shape than I thought I was the bike was probably a little bit luckier
0: with the mud too
1: yes and no because without the mud we would have had we would have had like the maybe the pace would have been a little faster and 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 that would have been interesting to experience, but in the mud, everything just gets my heavier and heavier. Body, and heavier. my body was gnarly. Like I'm talking, like you know, when your boots are ten, yeah. at least ten pounds, twenty pounds heavier than what they should normally be, and like you know, the ruts were this deep, and just trying to get through, and you're holding your feet, your feet out. up. Your feet up. Like hip my my are just my fucked. hip hip yeah. flexes and yeah. adductors yeah. were literally on fire like that whole night i was cramping just like i would be in bed i would be like "Ah! Ah!" (laughs) and my buddy that i was sharing a room with was like what the fuck's wrong with you and i'm like dude are you okay and i'm like no i'm not okay he's like what do you want me to do i'm like just don't do anything shut up but anyway coconut water coconut water yeah yeah but so I, I definitely had my, you know, like the mud brought uh, a totally different yeah, was aspect like to it. Um, six to one, half a dozen. The so I, I feel like it all would have been about the same, um, you know. But yeah, it's, it's a shame because I... Is
0: yeah. there a possibility that like with all of this that's gone down and now everyone's had a chance to like... I feel like if you're MA with what went down, you can't sit there and say like, no, no, we did the right thing. You know what I mean? I feel you but know. But I, like I now that hindsight has been it's it's over and we can look back at it. Like, is there a chance that you can you know get in shape and do next year and like and try and like
1: fix it? And nah, it's not about. For me, it's the it's it's
0: the principle of it in the first place. I guess.
1: Yeah, but the the whole reasoning of wanting to, it to be my last one is is that I. I don't want to do it anymore, you know? Like, I don't. Um, like, that That part of my, you know, like... Yeah, like, just that part of life or racing doesn't... I'm not there anymore. There's no you draw. Know? Like, I don't... Yeah, it's a it's, it's really, really difficult race to be in shape for. And then the very next weekend, you're racing Supercross. And all I race is Supercross. So it's like, it takes so much effort to to be ready and prepared for that one-off event and and it just it doesn't it's not friendly to americans at this point you know like the american mm. side of it and and the scheduling of the american series is, is that, i just fucking
0: wish they'd change the schedule like yeah. across the board like <laughs> man it's and i say it and i am fucking beating a dead horse but like i was over it I didn't even fucking ride, right. bro. I would go with cameras and I'd walk around the track and I'd like, it, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to do laps through the week. Like it's too hard. Like <clears throat> even the mechanics, man, like the respect that I've got for the mechanics that are on the AMA circuit, They're like the, gnarly job. the money that they get paid for the hours that they put in is like, so it's, it's not proportional at all and it's market value and i get it and that's the way it is and it's expensive enough to run a race team without starting to pay mechanics like the, for the hours that they should like you couldn't do it you couldn't run if you could pay a mechanic hourly on like an australian wage Oh, on a strain wage, you'd they, be they'd,
1: fucked. You'd be, you couldn't be, run a team. They'd be rich.
0: You'd be paying like two hundred grand a year for <laughs> at mechanics. Le- at like least. it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, you know, just for me and my experience of living there and doing that circuit and being on that scene, like it's too hard. It's too much. And then yeah, like the whole the whole thing is crazy. And then to expect that the human body can even keep up with that and then you add the impacts and then you add the concussions and then you add the niggling injury it's like dude it's no joke and it's it's too many races and and man me and hammer have had that conversation so many times like you're you're anomaly at 36 and there's Larocco and Dub, but like we lose dungy at 27 mm-hmm. we lose ryan at 26 we lost ricky at 27 and it's like this whole intensity and this new thing, and it's like it's just cost dudes five years, and we've mm-hmm. had this five year shift of retiring, and it's like it's it's not enough time to make Marvin and Eli these fucking superstars that pass the torch. Yeah. Like when you go, like you're the last OG superstar.
1: And I think I don't think it gets better anytime soon. It doesn't. Know? Like man. when when you're when you're talking about when we're on the motocross the nations, you know, conversation here. And you talk about the Europeans and the Americans and stuff like that. Like, if I'm Eli, AP, and and Barsha, I'd never, I'd never represent the country again because of the they sheer got stitched up. well, the sheer backlash that you get from the fans and 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 the way social media works. Everybody has a soapbox because literally they can jump on their they smartphone and, and comment. just comment on whatever it is. And I just think it, it's so unfair from to ask a lot from athletes that have done the schedule that we've done, and then you get one month off from motocross in the end of August until, what was it, the 3rd or 4th of October? Yeah. So you, you literally got the whole month of September off you can't it's it's unrealistic and it's it's just ridiculously to expect those three writers to take that one month and work their absolute ass off mm. to be the same guy that left off in at August Iron Man, yeah. at Iron Man. Because that one month is the only month which actually one month is really only a week or two weeks. Let's be honest, it's two weeks. You get, it, you, They go, okay, I'm going to take two weeks off. I'm exhausted. Eli's pissed off at the world. He won the most races in Supercross. Threw away a championship. Came out. Won the motocross. Didn't really win it in the way that he wanted to win it, probably. Went down to the wire, where it should never went down to the wire. Yeah, he should have wrapped that thing up at, like, and round three. So he's kind of like okay 2018's over I got this badass new bike coming monster wants you to do promo for winning championship monster wants you to win you know do all this Cowie wants you to do this outpoint style wants you to do that it's never ending and all in between that you're trying to take a step away and get a breath of fresh be air a normal person and for like be a weeks. normal individual enjoy your mom and dad your girlfriend your whatever he's a hunter maybe he wants to go hunting that's hunting season I don't know and I just think it's really really unfair to to expect an athlete not to take off a month like the rest of us get you know like I don't shouldn't throw myself in it because I get the whole summer off but everybody that does not do motocross donations nations gets to utilize that Mm. that gap and that Adds uh, you know? to next year, and 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 nothing from August till January seventh, eighth, whatever Anaheim one is, nothing matters. Mm. Literally, nothing matters. You know, because look, you could see where the effort was. One week later, the dude comes out and crushes it, and wins all three races, and is a million dollars richer. How's the random guy? Who's the the one million dollars. Oh, the, the fan. What? Right? Are you I wish serious? It was that, yeah, I mean, how, how do we get on Why that Why did program? I not go you know, to that? I, I went say. there
0: a bunch of times. Yeah. I never got so, shit.
1: So for, for me, I just think it's so unfair to think, because if I look at all the writers and you look at the team, do I take, you know, and this is me in my honest opinion, and people will dis- disagree, but as a team, do I take... AP or Hunter. I take AP all day. He's rode the track a million times. He's amazing in the ruts. He's amazing in the sand, in the mud. Like probably literally one of the best riders in the mud is AP. Yet yeah. he shows up to the Nations and forgets how to ride in the mud. <laughs> yeah. So, like when you when you think of the 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 outstanding performers, Hunter massively overperforms. Yeah. Rather than underperforms in in you know so here you go you got AP massively underperforms to his normal thing then if you were to put Justin Barsha in muddy conditions yeah, sand conditions starting you know all these things up against Koldenhoff I take Barsha all day long because Coldenhoff didn't even get a podium this year I don't believe maybe he got a podium in a moto but never an overall
0: huh.
1: and yet Coldenhoff comes out and is the overperformer of the weekend beats his own teammate who is the That's greatest writer yeah. in the world. I, I like so you'd go okay what the fuck just happened and then <laughs> you know you think okay I put I'd go up against I'd put Eli up against uh, uh Jeffro yeah. in in those conditions and on his own track and the boys just did not perform. And I think that when you look at why they didn't perform, I just think that it's it's fair, you know? Mm. And it, is it right? No. But, dude, you just, those dudes raced the week before, and they jumped on a plane, and they, they just it's carry- business you, as usual. You just business as usual, and you carry momentum. And what a lot of people don't understand, when you do donations, and I don't care whether it's at Bud's Creek or it's at, <laughs> um, at Redbud, 95 percent of those people or maybe even 98 whatever the percentage, yeah it's gone for America but literally 95 percent of the people riding on that racetrack are GP guys you only have you know the three Americans that are an American base riders and then maybe one on the Australian team which has been me in the past maybe two of us from Australia so you probably got five people that are from AMA the other what is it, 35 or 36 people are, are GP guys. So they ride at the GP style. So that track doesn't, doesn't, you know, uh, develop anywhere near what you're used to it developing. Yeah,
0: that's true, man. So you think like the, actually the lines, the lines are so different, the way,
1: the way the Americans, have you felt that at other places? uh, Dude, when I go to donations, it's, it's a tough weekend. Like, it's really, really tough because your bike, you have to you fight your bike the whole weekend because it's just, it's set up for AMA, you know? And when you... I would like, you know... Jeffrey has shown up and, you know, he did well last year but at But there's, there's
0: an asterisk there because Herl, uh, Eli was just trying to get it done and win the title. I agree. He's not... He's Eli ain't gonna fucking send it to beat Hurlings. <laughs> he don't care. He wants that million-dollar fucking I,
1: bonus, bro. And I honestly think that... Marvin threw it away more than anything, you know, because... Yeah, he, that was crazy. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> but but I've rode Ironman twice now, three times now. It's a, it's as close to any European track that we have. Like, mm. I mean, if you're a European, dude, show up there. Because that is a European Even track. Even more than Dilla? Uh, yeah. D- Dilla's is not super Euro, I don't think, anymore. It's really ruddy. It's, it's, yeah, it's different. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like Dilla used to get real flowing and kind of outside, inside, really European. Because um, that's what the Euro guys. Euro guys are all momentum. You know, like they only ride motocross and they ride a lot of sand in the winter. And then you so, have to carry. So the you momentum. have to carry speed. Everything starts on the outside. It comes across. You carry through the middle, and then you, you know, like it's all like that. America, we nine ten months of the year. All we care about is Supercross, stiff ass suspension. Um, our motocross tracks are ridiculously deep and watered and muddy. So literally from start to finish, they're like riding in the mud anyway. So you just have these motorcycles that don't work in bumps and and they don't that you know like they just you pin it down the inside, you brake heavy, you jump in a rut and you accelerate off, and and that's that's the style that we have become accustomed to. And I just yeah. think that the Euros have a different way of riding motocross and, and they always And because have, the majority,
0: the majority Euros, they're developing the lines around the way that totally. they ride. Yeah, Dude, yeah, I've yeah. never thought of that. You
1: know, and then. I, I feel mean, like I got
0: a black belt at motocross and I've never thought about it. Did you that. go to the race? No, I didn't go this year. I, I can't go back to America for a bit. Uh.
1: <laughs> 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 but I watched the event and I've never, you know, in my 17 years of being in America, I've never seen Red Bud look like that. Yeah, you it know. looked different. Eh? Oh, it's totally different. Because like, like you can recognize. So talk about like you know talk about taking a home court advantage away. Yeah, just pissing it in the wind. <laughs> yeah, it probably
0: did it worse because they went there with like an expectation, and then when they got there and the expectation wasn't met, they were like, "Oh yeah, shit!" Yeah,
1: and I think Eli started off on the wrong foot. You know, like I I think that you know APH shit in the qualifier, and from what I understand on the inside, didn't really feel himself or he was you know fucked up his shoulder Um, Eli you know probably starts off all excited and and it's all fun and new and then suddenly your bike breaks and you're pissed off at the world and you me got 12th gate pick and what, 34th gate pick or whatever Just it is. It turns into a long-ass day. That turns into a real shitty day real quick. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I I actually felt really sad for those guys. Mm.
0: Well, hey, I know you've been here like a really long time, probably longer than you thought. Um, so I'll be able to let you get back to oh, life as Chad Reed, Dude, I really appreciate it. I hope you had fun. Um, I hope it's different to what people normally make you do. Um, and for me, like I said, it was always this thing where it was like I never got to – I never got to like hear your side of things and feel like you were always giving us just enough to like <laughs> you know, either that love or hate thing and, and to sit down and to do this was super cool and, and you've been the most requested person by far. Like uh, I literally cool. get three DMs a day that's and I'm awesome. not, not joking of like get Chad Reed, get Chad Reed. I wanna
1: add one thing that I always get asked Yeah, and, add whatever and you I, want. And I think it's important for I think it's important for the core fan to understand me from a different, or at least open their mind up to something different. And then maybe an Aussie writer that's listening that would think about something a little different. And I think that a common thing that I get in Aussie is always, you know, like they assume or they think that you you just become an American. And, and I would say my answer to that would be when I left and I, and, and at 36 years old and, and probably fresh off of, you know, this week and spending time and just, you know, like through this whole podcast, I've been more just, you're in a different space. You're aware of things that you were never aware of as a kid. You're aware of taking on and seeing and feeling all these things that you used to have. Um, yesterday I went to the football, f- you know, the local football Yeah, I and, saw your Instagram. And went to the gym and, and, you know, and it's like, that was fun. And it's like today and Monday I went to the beach and it's like I grew up, that's what I grew up doing. Like mm. training for me wasn't this crazy training facility that you had to be this, that, and whatever. It was motivating your own ass, getting in a car, driving down to the beach and going running on the beach or driving to Stockton and going running on the dunes, the dunes yeah. you know, all these things. And I think that it's funny. And last week I spent uh, – we landed in the U.S. on on Tuesday and we were there to Sunday. And it's, it's, it's amazing to me how beautiful – Sydney is. Yeah. And I'm like,
0: dude, I had that exact thing yesterday. You know bro. like I'm
1: like, dude, this it's badass. Like yeah. I think it's a beautiful city, you know, and the view I had and and it was like I could live here. And I never I never let myself believe or think that I was missing out on anything, you know? Like I left young enough, yeah, that I was like fuck Australia. It'll always be there if I go back. And you know, and I always embraced America because most everybody that I know always has something that they hate about America and they stuck on it. And I I don't have that and, and I'm still there and it and it's still providing me life and, and a job and a career and all these things. And that's where I always wanted to be. And I think that you have to embrace where you are or where you want to be or where the, you know, what do how would I say it? Like where the, the things are that you want in life. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it wasn't that I became an American or I took on the accent or whatever. I mean, technically I've actually lived in America longer than I have Australia now, which is crazy to Dude, me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I would just want people to know that like I'm so unbelievably Australian and thankful for what i grew up with but you had to turn it off like like i couldn't i couldn't miss it i couldn't think about it i couldn't like want to be home dude i can because you don't like when you live that schedule you don't have the luxury of like shit i'm homesick i'm gonna go home you know know what the whole
0: time i was there (laughs) i did like what you're saying is really resonating because i fucking never let go of australia yeah and I, right now that makes a lot of sense to me yeah as and I, to I why my, you I did watched that.
1: my cousin do it. I watched McFarlane do it. And I just I, – I seen the big mistakes. Bro, you know? fuck. You're blowing my mind right and now. And I just think that, like, for me, this is the raddest, most beautiful country in the world. I'm very aware of that. But – you have to but kind if of turn it off. You're aware of that all the
0: time. You're gonna miss. Yeah, it's crazy
1: home. because then you miss it. And Dude, I can. was
0: torn the whole time I lived there, man. Like, and I found that one thing to hate about America, <laughs> and I found like I found multiple things. And like, man, you can ask, you can ask anyone that that knows me from over there. Like, Wes would get so sick of me like complaining yeah, about yeah. shit and saying how Australia is. but I never let go of it, man. And I didn't last, mm-hmm. and I lasted longer than almost everybody else totally. Jay's yeah, still yeah, yeah, over yeah. there yeah but it was like me and Jay were like the last ones that yeah. went
1: so that's my only real comment you that know what? I, that I, I, would, I, I that really would really appreciate and that, respect I would, that. that I would pass on is 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 though like I'm so appreciative of what America is because America's taken me on it's given me a life I'm a dual citizen I've lived there now longer than I have here and I think that in my opinion the two most beautiful countries in the world is Australia in in America I love them to death you know like they've america has provided me so much you know like things where post racing will give me that luxury of yeah living in both countries and being able to do things in both countries so yeah i just wanted people to Understand that though I come across as somebody who massively loves and embraces America. It's because I truly have to get through it Yeah, like I have taken it on as my own country and and as as a country that I do choose to live and until that day that I say, okay I'm done here. It's time to go home um, I feel like I have to embrace the American culture and 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 as an adult I actually am far more aware and know living and life in america than i do here yeah. because my childhood was here but not i, would, yeah, I left at 18 yeah. i've never owned well actually i shouldn't say never i did have an apartment here for a while but like i've never really owned houses and cars and things like that like i actually would come there would be such a learning curve of how do you live what do you do as here? a grown adult in, in australia you know like it would actually be tough so um yeah just more just give people a little you know man i i've never thought
0: i've never thought of it but that just like made some shit click in my own head because <laughs> i never let go i yeah. never let go of Australia, and i could never fully embrace it and there was always this pull home and that's because i never cut those ties mm-hmm. and i held i had such a romance for australia <laughs> and the whole time i was in america and th- a day that would go shit i would instantly just be like fuck this place. Like <laughs> I, home's got, this is so much better home. This is, and, and I, you know what? I I really, and it was one thing I thought, I was like, I wonder why they, why they went there. And Chad seems like he turned, like turns his back on Australia. But it's like, it doesn't embrace Australia. Like I want him to as yeah. an Australian, but it makes sense because this, you had a job at hand and, you can't afford distractions and being homesick is a fucking hell of a distraction it's
1: really a big big and I think that that second that you miss it or need it it's over because then you have to let it go and you have to come back home because you're truly your heart and head is there you know so that's what I mean that's been my that's been my way of just making it work in in the US you know so
0: dude makes so much sense thank you so much for doing this man I really enjoyed it man
1: big time Sweet.
0: Damn. And there it is. Just like that, it's over. Um, again, yeah, thank you very much to Chad. Uh, thanks to the guys that helped me set this up. And uh, just a quick shout out to our sponsors again, Boost Mobile, Nobby Underwear, and mcas.com.au. Uh, it's, this has been a crazy year. I sort of said it a little bit at the start of the podcast. Um, and if you want to switch off now, you can. Um, but yeah, just thank you to everyone that has has made this possible and like i said i've enjoyed this process for reasons that i didn't think i would um i've definitely become like i don't know whether it's like attached but like i've met really really good people through the podcast that are just like listeners of the podcast um you know, for example, Mick from M33 is a guy that started listening to the podcast and now is been doing a bunch of work for me. He's a super super good dude. Um, Rob from Nobby is another one that you know, like I cold called him as as a sponsor because I liked their brand, and has turned into a guy that I now you know bounce a ton of ideas off. Um, and you know, he does a lot more than just support the show uh, as a financial as a financial sponsor. Um, the same could be said for Jace from boost. Um, so yeah, I mean, this has been, this has been a really cool thing. Uh, we're really looking to expand this bad boy out, uh, in 2019. So much cool stuff is on the horizon. Hopefully we're going to do more live shows. Um, and yeah, it's going to be cool to sort of see where this whole thing goes. Um, so yeah just wanted to say thank you um thanks to everybody that sends uh dms to the instagram i try and get back to more but it's getting a bit harder these days um but yeah no just a, a massive massive thank you to everybody that has come on the show everybody that has listened to the show um and everybody that has supported it in any capacity uh it's been an awesome year and uh we will see everybody um in in 2019